Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley. I write comics, books, podcasts, screenplays, etc. And on each episode, we're going to be talking about a piece of work from the horror genre, be it movies, TV shows, podcasts, games, books, comics, poetry, music, fine art. We're open to all sorts of stuff. The one catch is that whatever the piece of art is, we're going to evaluate it through a progressive lens. We're going to be talking about feminism and horror, race and horror, LGBT rep and horror, physical and mental disability and horror. We recognize horror as a genre never agreed to this podcast, but my favorite thing about horror movies is being surprised. And there's nothing more surprising than a horror movie that has something important to say, in between the screams, of course. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the 2018 movie, The First Purge. And with me tonight to do that are fellow comics book writer, Ben Kahn, whose work you might know from Heavenly Blues, Griffin, and the upcoming Renegade Rule. Also with us is psych professor, comic psychology consultant, and one half of the Gotham Outsiders, a Batman book club podcast, Chris Carey. Chris, Ben, do you have any feelings you need to purge out about this movie? I have a lot of feelings to purge. I am so excited to talk about this movie because I loved it. (laughs) I loved it too. (laughs) This movie... Uh, this was my first Purge movie, and I don't know if I need to watch all of the others or never watch all of the others because I can't like live up to this one. Are you saying I, that the first Purge is your first Purge instead of the first Purge movie? I, this <laughs> it's a movie, real Abbott and Costello down- kind of situation talking Honestly, about this movie. The only downside, the biggest negative of this movie is the title just condemning us <laughs> to a nightmare hell of Abbott and Costello routine. It's true. It's true. This is also my first purge movie so i'm with you i don't know the the deep lore of this world jeremy you might have to guide us through because clearly there's a lot here (laughs) i mean it kind of works out well that this is your first one because it is the prequel there's a lot of very ominous at the end like next time we're taking it global or taking it nationwide that you know is supposed to be like oh this is the future of stuff in the purge (laughs) i looked up like they're making another Purge movie. And I'm hoping even if it's just like a few lines where it's just like, oh, Staten Island historically has very low Purge participation. Like just the line to make it go like, okay, yeah, it took it nationally. But our characters that we found this movie, they, get, they got their shit on lockdown. They get, they're in control. <laughs> they know yeah. what's up. When, when you watch this movie, it's, um, it definitely seems more set in... Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna bump up around this quite a bit, but it's got some real 2020 vibes. Well, I want um, to ask: Did you guys detect any like real subtext in was any of it sub? I was gonna say this movie is about as subtle as a brick to the face. It's uh, all text. There were definitely there's parts in my notes where I would write. I think the movie is trying to say, and as I was writing it, one of the characters would look at the other character and be like, "Here's what's happening," and I was like, "Oh, okay, it it is trying. It is I, saying that." I feel like the only things in this movie that are allegorical instead of literal are the things that it that it like 
in 2018 that hadn't yet happened that have now happened in 2020. Yes, if there was something subtle, it was an accident, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was just like, well, this resonates a lot. This movie is the most 20, what's like the, the, the 2020 movie? It's the first purge. It is. And there, there, yeah, there are full moments when like characters will look each other dead in the eyes and explain the plot to each other, like repeatedly. This happens all the time. I yeah, think it really showed because oh. I think the the series started well before like the Trump presidency was a, a possibility, yeah. and oh. this one is is released square in 2018. So you know we're we're well, right I, in the middle well, of. The I, Trump spent, I I can't tell what you would possibly mean about it referencing Trump. It's not like they say grab them in the pussy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I spent a lot of time thinking like how weird and terrible it is like. The Purge is kind of a franchise that, like, the world grew into. Yeah. Like, First Purge comes out in 2013. We're a year after Obama's been reelected. Like, I don't know. What was the big issue going on in, all, in, our, like, in the world in 2013? Now, now, just to be clear, that is the first Purge movie called The Purge, not yes. The First Purge which is the movie we're discussing tonight, which came which out Which is the fourth Purge? So, yeah, which is, is the fourth Purge film, but uh, happens first chronologically. Why don't we, we'll do a quick introduction here and give sort of our uh, our trigger warnings and stuff like that. And then before yes. we jump into the- Oh yeah. Before we jump into the discussion of this movie proper, I can give you guys a little bit of the uh, the breakdown of, of what happens in the other uh, Purge movies. Um, okay. So we can. Kinda... I haven't seen them, but I'm obsessed with YouTube video essays, so I've got vague <laughs> ideas. I also have vague ideas from the same source. So. I basically, when I was talking about this movie on on Twitter this week, I just basically wrote an essay about the Purge movies. I, um, I love it. Uh, so what we're discussing is the first Purge. This is directed by Gerard McMurray, and as far as trigger warnings, um, sexual assault. Um, yeah, sexual assault. Uh, I mean, twenty twenty ness. Yeah, I mean, racial violence and racial imagery, um, like yeah, like right, yeah, like let's see, like mass shoot, mass well. shootings, uh, police um, brutality, police brutality, oh, God. yeah, police racial brutality. violence, sexual violence, yeah, um, drug based violence, violence uh, violence against women. Most, I'm gonna say, most of the triggers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like it probably be a short. I feel like yeah. Main one. It's it's not. We'll get into it, but it's not as violent as I thought a movie about the purge was going to be. But it is still a lot of violence. But then that I like how then that became part of the story. Yeah. Like I feel like so much. I feel like it's so interesting watching this as the prequel because, again, not having seen the purge, I remember what the reaction of the purge was like. It was like, oh, this is a cool horror movie, but like. What a very silly, ridiculous, totally out there premise. And now we find ourselves watching 2018, right. 2020. And it's like, guys, I don't think this premise is all that ridiculous anymore. Yeah, I'm feel not like feeling I said so this, good about this. I feel like I said this back when we talked about uh, zombies, where if 2020 has made my threshold of disbelief so much uh, lower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> everything seems possible now. <laughs> Yeah, I, my my last note on trigger warnings was just just PTSD for 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I feel like so much of the horror comes from just being like from just me going like, "Oh god, that is how it would go down." 
I feel like this is the first like existentially scary movie that right. we watched. Honestly, honestly, well, yeah, that's, I, that's actually the next question. Is is this? I mean, both the other movies we've reviewed so far, we've said we're spoopy. Is this not spoopy? spoopy not spoopy, or, or like existentially disconcerting? I it, it's it's existentially disconcerting definitely it's scary at times as well as far as like jump scares go there definitely are plenty to be found here um but the existential dread is what's gonna get you yeah like there's general violent dread like i feel like there's some moments that like approach spoopy but i feel like it's yeah it tends to be more about like giving the movie a bit of fun flavor that again not having seen the other purge movies i could see being much more prevalent in like a less political version and like a less political um, movies. But I feel like it's only kind of like, it never overwhelms this overall kind of like scary feeling. Yeah, yeah, I will say there are a few moments that were unintentionally silly, but there there were far fewer than I expected, so. But then there's a few moments of like intentional silliness. Like like in crazy murder grandma exploding teddy bear alleyway <laughs> i need to know a thousand percent more about those two women <laughs> like that like why are they not getting their own spinoff maybe they will there's time right i don't know if they're in the tv series because there is a tv series as well i forgot there's, about that yeah, there's four movies and then the tv series which i believe was on tbs or i'm not sure how much the series like likes to reuse on. characters that aren't frank grillo yeah uh i are we saying i guess somewhere between terrifying and existentially disconcerting or perhaps alternately both of those things definitely more yeah i don't think it's mostly it's not super terrifying i wouldn't yeah yeah. no it's like especially once you get to act three which is pretty much like die hard (laughs) (laughs) tower siege (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong i was super ridiculously into it but after some like very stressful, scary, like Acts One and Two. I was like, Act Three is a Act Three is a straight up action thrill ride. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I think this is more the existential dread with some jump scares. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with that. All right, so to to give the quick breakdown, it, it has been a little while since I've seen the other uh, Purge movies, but I have seen all all four of the movies. I haven't watched the show. The show was made after this one, so I. It's probably not terribly important to discussing this. Um, but the first one is, uh, is definitely an Ethan Hawke, Lena Headley vehicle right. where the concept of the purge is well established. One night of the year, all crime is legal. Uh, people can just go out into the streets and murder and have, have sex and do drugs and whatever else they want to do. And Ethan Hawke's character is somebody who sells security for specifically for the purge. So he's selling rich people shielding for their houses and things like that so that they don't actually have to be victims uh, like everybody else. They can just sit in their house unless they want to go hunt people. And basically what happens is uh, they accidentally or incidentally let somebody in who is being chased by by purgers and, you know, is just sort of a a poor black man who is uh, being tormented and chased by this group of rich white teenagers and in doing so they make themselves a target so they're they're given the option of either you know turn this man over or all of these all of these Donald Trump juniors are going to <laughs> attempt to you know get into their house by whatever means necessary and then it's just basically a, a survival thing from there you know Ethan Hawke opts not to turn the guy over 
and then they try to survive all of their neighbors being evil and white. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, like 2013, like a movie where one of the main themes is you don't truly know the people around you and your neighbors and friends could secretly be monsters isn't necessarily a theme that resonated, I could see resonating super strongly in 2013. Uh, fast forward a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And these are themes that suddenly feel a lot more relevant. Yeah, because over the course of that movie, it goes from like these, you know, kids who are strangers that they don't really know in masks trying to kill them to like their neighbors show up to kill them, you know, at various points in it. But that's, that's basically the whole first one. Those characters don't really recur, aren't really important. Um, because the next one, they clearly had a bigger budget and realized what they had in the sort of action and insanity of, of the idea of the purge. So the second one is Purge Anarchy, uh, which takes place in sort of the big city and is a similar sort of setup to what we get in the first purge and that you're following a group of characters who inadvertently end up in the middle of the city and um, in the middle it's of the purge and have to kind of survive their way it, through it. And this in the relatively rare subset of, of, a, of city-based horror. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. You don't get a lot of horror in the city, especially horror that really like uses the city as a character, which is something I feel First Purge did a really good job of. I agree. Yeah, yeah and non-zombie horror, I think the, yeah. <laughs> the city's yeah. pretty, pretty unusual. Yeah, you, you get like run-down cities sometimes, but you don't usually get an active, alive city in a horror movie. As you know, a, anarchy as has a, a lot of jumping takes place in the city trying to stay alive. Yeah. And as a true blue city dweller, I appreciated I appreciated a movie that kind of used the the setting well and kind of worked a little harder to get a unique feel out of it. Yeah, and as somebody who lives in truly the middle of nowhere, it was nice to watch a horror movie and not immediately assume I was going to die. <laughs> well, I will say this. One of my favorite parts of watching the Marvel movies is Avengers Infinity War, where Iron Man is Iron Man and Doctor Strange are fighting Doctor Thanos right down Sixth Ave in the West Village, just going like, "Ah, oh, cool! This is the part where I become homeless." <laughs> I am excited about the concept you just invented of Doctor Thanos. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you did just call it Doctor. Did I call Doctor Strange Doctor Thanos? That you said Doctor Strange and Doctor Thanos. <laughs> Some little I mean, known fact: He has a PhD. I feel like I could either go as a Doctor Strange Doctor Thanos merger or it's just straight up thanos went to med school no no it's it's weirdly it's a, it's a phd in theater <laughs> oh, that'd be great. i was i was just thinking right? instead of an infinity gauntlet he just has infinity elbow patches you know i'm just like <laughs> i'm glad i'm not in infinity war because it's like what a day that would be fucking iron man and a big alien just destroy my entire apartment building i go boy could this day get any worse Hey, why is everyone disappearing? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I guess the losing your apartment building would be the least of your problems in that scenario. At a certain point, like I feel like I'd fade away and be like, "Well, at least I don't have to deal with renters insurance now." <laughs> so, so ultimately, the most important thing that Purge Anarchy introduces is the sergeant, who is Frank Grillo's character, who is going okay. to be. He's one of the main characters in this one, and is basically one of two main characters in the third one. Uh, purge election year, which election year is about there is a a new candidate running for office. This uh, woman uh, who uh, is Juliet from Lost, um, 
Oh, I like, oh, I love yeah. her. Yeah, call her like Senator Juliet. Juliet from Lost, and she's being protected by uh, Sergeant Crossbones, because that's the way I remember both of those people. Honestly, um, Sergeant Crossbones is a great title or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sergeant Crossbones. But the basic First name Cross, last name Bones. I was going to say, Sergeant Crossbones is like a, pu- a Punisher ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yes, Elizabeth Mitchell is her name, um, is the actress's name. And basically, the setup of it is that she is she is running, uh, opposing the new founding father's party and you know, wants to get rid of the purge and has Which, semi-liberal ideas about, you know, how to, uh, how to run the country. I do find... <laughs> the new founding fathers party to be one of the most the more unrealistic parts of the story not any of their politics or actions just the idea that they need to create a new party instead of just being republicans (laughs) yeah i i assumed they were just the tea party that was my assumption. Like this was the inevitable. I'm like, evolution. why do you gotta make build a new infrastructure? It's all there for you. They're not gonna put up a fight. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the <laughs> political edit, too, too too nakedly political. Edit, maybe edit that one out. <laughs> I mean, this, out. this whole maybe movie is gonna be out. pretty nakedly political. I was gonna yep. say, if there is anybody who has listened to the first two episodes of this podcast and don't get it yet, <laughs> I mean, progressive is right there in the name of the podcast. So. The minute you introduce something as progressive and follow it up with feminist and queer, they turned it off or they're hate listening and we can, you know, get views from them anyway. Yeah. Works for me. Senator Charlie Roan, who's played by Elizabeth Mitchell, is uh, running running to be president. Uh, she wants to change all these, you know, things about the, the purge system and all of that stuff. Uh, so, of course, the, the purge pops up in the middle of this uh, election cycle and the new founding fathers, as we'll learn in this movie, do not play fair. Um, so they send, you know, a bunch of people after her, put a price on her head, you know, during the purge. And it's it's the job of Frank Grillo's character to uh, keep her alive. And they sort of, you know, go through several levels of, of underground. And there's, um, you know, a bunch of uh, different characters. This This one, I think, much more successfully integrates people of color into the the main cast and in heroic roles rather than being either victims or villains which i think is a sort of trend of of where we end up with the first purge which the first purge notably is the first one that's not uh directed by the creator james Monaco. it is uh you know he directed the first three he wrote all four the first purge is actually directed by a black director in Gerard McMurray um, and, you know, picks up way back before any of the, the Purge movies that we've seen so far and uh, definitely seems much closer to, you know, the world we're familiar with now. Um, yep. And has a whole, and if a whole white different person, cast of characters than any of the other And if a white person does show up in this movie, odds are the movie will end with them no longer even having a face. Yeah. I think there's one white character that survives in this movie and he's the worst one. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the politician. He's the guy, worst right? one. But every every if you see a white face, they are going to de- like they are dead. <laughs> yeah, and he is he is there to just be just be bloody awful. The worst. Getting into I guess you know the first purge now. It uh, the first thing it does is sort of set up some of the uh, groundwork for politically where we're at. Government is bad. We're doing interviews with 
I think the first shot is actually they're interviewing Skeletor, which that will be the character's only name. The very first line of this movie is, what are you angry at? And he answers, everyone and everything. And my first note is, same though. (laughs) (laughs) There's a moment later (laughs) where... Isaiah, like Joyvin Wade's character, is just going around to random people on the street being like, "Do you know where Skeletor is?" <laughs> as if people, as if people are gonna know, have any clue what that's supposed to mean. And yet they do. Apparently, that's just what he goes by because people are like, "Oh, I haven't seen him today." And it's like, like, "Oh yeah, I saw him getting, I saw him getting chips on the like by the Rite Aid." <laughs> Now, now, let me ask you, I have not spent uh, much time on Staten Island. I assume, Ben, you're probably more familiar with Staten Island. Does everybody on Staten Island know each other? Because that this movie gives that impression. I've lived in New York for several years and lived around New York almost my whole life. I'm still not completely convinced Staten Island is real. <laughs> like, I've never been there. I've never met any anyone who's been there. Like, if it turned out to just be, like, a massive hoax, I'd be like, yeah, fucking, that makes sense. But I, I thought that Pete Davidson was king of it. That's all I know about it. I mean, Pete Davidson would also probably try to sell you a br- bridge in Brooklyn. <laughs> that my point exactly. You're right. Nowhere would make him king. It must be fake. Like, I have quite... Like, People tell me it exists, but people also tell me Atlantis exists. What am I supposed to believe? Like, do they? I, I have questions about who you're talking to. Yeah, well, apparently, as, as far as this movie is concerned, Staten Island is a small neighborhood in which everybody knows each other because all of the characters are familiar with each other. And there are several points where people are like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, the or you're, you're an activist and he's a drug dealer from the you know, other side of town. <laughs> You know, clearly, you guys are friends. Yeah, there is not a single character in this movie that doesn't know every other character in this movie. Every character that lives in Staten Island knows every other character that lives in Staten Island. Yeah, I don't, like I don't even know my people. neighbors here in North Carolina. <laughs> like, I don't. I'm in New York. I share a wall with several people. I don't know their fucking names. <laughs> and that's true here in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. That said, though, I used to be in Baltimore, which we called Smalltimore because it was like this. We did sort of know everybody. I've been told Baltimore is the the uh, furthest north southern town in in America. Like that, it's still uh, unfortunately still technically that's not in the true south because somehow. I went I went further north and have somehow ended up further south. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania is a geographical anomaly as far as I can tell. We're, we start off like finding out I mean, there's riots and protests and the government is telling people all sorts of things. There's this new party that's come in, the New Founding Fathers, which uh, is you know going to, to fix everything. But of course, they can't just fix everything. So they decide, hey, why not a social experiment where all crime is legal for a day and just you know, see what happens. Um, what they keep pitching it as is a day for everybody to get their aggression out and just, uh, you know, really purge that. So I guess they could be less violent the rest of the year. And they... it, it's the idea of a behavioral scientist, which oh. I love that they call her this the entire time because I was like, so she doesn't have a degree is what no. you're telling me. <laughs> because My... They specifically do not call her a psychologist. They're like, and she's they... a behavioral scientist. She took psych 101. They have, they have, not Dr. Marissa Tomei, <laughs> and the 
and the, sec- and the chief of staff to the new evil president yes. and they're being interviewed about the uh like the what they're calling the social experiment and, and i really will- have to take note of who is exactly is doing the interview because my very first real note into this movie was of course van jones is carrying water for this <laughs> his his uh, interview technique is high eyebrow raising in this scene <laughs> of course van he became the president tonight jones is being like maybe we should give the purge a chance <laughs> What's both sides the purge? <laughs> yeah, and I, I gotta say, the the chief of staff for the new founding fathers uh, is is named Arlo Sabian, which <laughs> if there was ever no, a guy no. who was definitely yes. evil, it's Arlo Sabian. Yes, Arlo Sabian is an X Men villain. <laughs> like... <laughs> I will have, yeah, Arlo Sabian definitely sounds like the name of somebody who invents a new kind of sentinel. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and yes, and then she gives her her explanation, and this is the one thing that will continue to happen throughout the movie whenever she gives any explanation, is it amounts to science says, <laughs> which is my favorite thing in a movie, where they're just like, we're not going to try. We're not going to explain how we did this or in any way, even jargon it. We're just going to be like, I did science, and the science said, because science it sure is a good thing we can't point to any recent historical parallels of governments employing quack scientists and then misrepresenting even those results for their own corrupt ends. Yeah, I, I referred true. to I referred to Marissa Tomei's character throughout my notes as Doctor Scientist. Uh, <laughs> I yes, that is doctor, very much her role in this movie is Doctor Scientist. But she definitely just changed her first name to Doctor because <laughs> she does not have a degree. Let's just be very I clear. did spend a lot of time writing about the about her suits though. And she how I want them. is a style icon in every role ever, even when she's being a horrible scientist. Like Marissa Tomei is just wearing a series of like luxurious velvet suits. And that, that like strange and tie I that them. she wears at one point that is like it, it's hinting at a different kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to see I, the like the company she works for. And I, I just assume that it's the rest of the cast of My Cousin Vinny, like is just <laughs> doing doing various types of of non-science in the background all the time. I have to imagine assume- she's like a Liberty University faculty, and that's what I found there. <laughs> snap <laughs> i i assumed that she's over there with elizabeth holmes like doing ted talks <laughs> i think liberty university is a uh, is an ivy league school in this future right <laughs> absolutely the new founding fathers give the commencement speeches at liberty yeah absolutely it's it's, it's a big deal um yes yeah, so we we find out that uh this this first purge um is is just happening on Staten Island. It's a preview of what's to come, an attempt to you know try and figure this thing out, see if it works. So they're just gonna take this one secluded island in New York. We're beta testing murder night. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're gonna beta test uh, legal murder for just one night, and see how it goes. They're which to they're be doing fair, that, if you're gonna do that, that is something you should probably work out the kinks out. Just okay. throwing it out there, though, yeah. as as the person who is also uh, the science person who does science stuff. 
Um, they have no control group for this. I'm just throwing it out there. There should be another island that wasn't getting paid money. Just if it were good science. Yeah, just just Long Island. No, <laughs> yeah, like, like murder, murder is, is legal. legal, but they're not going to pay you to participate. Yeah. Right. It's just the yeah. It's just there's the no financial group. incentive for and murder. Everything I know about New York is that Long Island would be bloodier. Not honestly, the entire, honestly, once they started going, you get more money, the more you, you know, purge, purge. Honestly, that the experiment was completely corrupted, but who gives a fuck? Except yes. apparently Marissa Tomei suddenly halfway through the movie. Oh, I have so many thoughts on that scene. I'll bring them when I get there, but that scene was the funniest, unintentionally funny scene to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The science. Science, science, science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and uh, so they're they're tracking all of this by by putting tracking devices on everybody who's staying on the island, and then they're going to put they're giving people contact lenses to put in if they're actively participating. What this a is useful what, device th- so that we can tell who the murdery people are. <laughs> so I feel like we need to point out that the character that we're learning about these like the lenses and the tracking chips is Joyvin Wade's character Isaiah. And yes. I have in my notes, you cannot take the actor who plays Cyborg in Doom Patrol and start giving him robot parts. <laughs> You're right. They also are, for no reason, bright neon. Uh, and they are different because colors. Because he's Cyborg. And I'm but probably going to refer to him as Cyborg throughout the, move, throughout the rest of the I, I think I, like, that, that doesn't make so any sense. He's so in Doom Patrol. It, makes it doesn't make any sense, sense. But it's a great device yeah. in the story. Right. It, makes com- it makes complete sense if you have, wouldn't it be cool if people had creepy glowy eyes as your starting point and then work backwards to get to that point. I think yeah. also if we're just assuming this movie really wants to make sure you miss nothing about it, literally putting color, uh, colored contacts in the eyes of people who are the bad ones. There is no <laughs> subtext. Like there which ones? Is no subtext. There's definitely a meeting where there was a subtler version of this movie and they were like, but what if people can't figure out who's doing the murderiness? It adds this like simultaneously fun and stupid dimension of like, this is definitely a device for the movie, not for the story. Why are they different colors? Do they do different things? Some of them are red. Some of them are blue. Is it like lightsabers? I have a lot of questions. For me, I would have like a level up system. So, you know, you started, it's like a belt system in karate. You know, you start with white eyes and eventually you get up to black, you know. Ooh, Um, or the the red eyes, like the amount of blood you've spilled. I'm here for this lore. The more more people you murder, the cooler your contact colors get. And I mean, that way, immediately when you see somebody on the street, you're like, oh, that's the real bad guy. Gamifying, I mean, we are just a hop, like, it does not feel in any way outlandish or out of place for people and governments organizations to literally be gamifying purge night and and doctor scientists would be like we need to be able to tell quickly through our drones which ones have murdered the most that's why their eyes change yeah also lots of that's why we need so many drones (laughs) all of the drones (laughs) there's there's tons of drones which it will point out several times I fly drones for my day job and they're really fun. So I'd be, I'd be like, yeah, drones. <laughs> and I'm like, so- no, drones, but you betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> the drones will always betray you. Be careful at that job. <laughs> if I've learned one thing from movies. Uh, really, I just want a motorcycle that's also a drone, even though that sounds like the most dangerous thing in the fucking world. Is, I mean, is that just Tron? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so is this the motorcycle movie... you can ride, then you jump off and you just fly it wherever it's going to go. I mean, that's the Batwing, right? That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. So having not seen the rest of this series, is The Purge the first horror movie to make Neon scary? Or is this a thing that I'm not aware of? I feel like it's been done, but I can't. I can't say for sure. So I was trying to think if there's anything pre Scary the man. first, the first um, actual first purge. I mean, I gotta go that. with Batman Forever. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, I want to say they did a lot of stuff with with neon or you know various lights and stuff in um, Anarchy and Election Year. So that would have been earlier in this franchise. Sure. Um, so yeah, the, like the initial it's a bit one of is like very a dark. Particular motif for this franchise yeah, i was yeah. curious because when i think of things that are scary neon would not hit my list and yet it really think, quite was i think though that may have to do with what we were saying like this is horror set in a city oh. yeah it's the the horror equivalent it's, of neon noir it's like you don't get neon like in woods and country <laughs> suburbs or it's like but maybe it's like in these artificial cities where it's like this fear that the artificiality has warped us and robbed us of our humanity maybe in that context neon can take on this more inhuman horror tinge of view that is a really intelligent point and the whole time all i could think about would, was mike myers walking through the woods in neon <laughs> <laughs> he's got some like it's bright a- pink coveralls and you know, lined with just pink, the pink LEDs. But I think there's something like you can't, but again, it's like, what does it say that like you can hide it what in a glow in a city? Yeah, that's like, a I, really good point. I just really like, I've got to find more like city-based horror because I feel like there's something, I feel like there's something here. Yeah, I think so too. I think city-based horror, often ends up hitting a sort of horror slash action motif, which this one definitely does. Yeah, definitely. You definitely get more urban horror in, I feel, in like British horror, but I feel like that's just so clearly coming from the fears of that were born out of like the Industrial Revolution. And I wonder how many of those stories have now just been kind of, are now tied to that turn of the century Industrial Revolution time period versus like modern relevance, but I don't know. I just think that it's just an unexplored setting. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense. Like, again, I think other than zombie movies, they're really, there's just not, we don't see this. We don't see kind of vaguely slasher movies set in uh, cities often. And I think there's something to this idea. And I think that, I think, especially some of the scenes with Isaiah uh, captured it well this feeling of there's people all around you and yet you're completely alone. Like there's people everywhere and none of them are going to help you. Yeah. And that's like its own kind of terror. Definitely. There's three main groups of characters that we're going to follow in this. Um, right. We mentioned already chief of staff, Arlo Sabian, <laughs> clearly not a bad guy. And Dr. And, Scientist. Yes, and Dr. Updale. The architect. She's doctor. She's doctor scientist. I definitely just yeah. I called her doctor scientist or Marissa Tomei the whole movie. Yeah, we're we're sticking with doctor scientist. Yeah, I I had to look at the credits. Her her name in the credits is Doctor Updale. Uh, First name Doctor, last name Updale. Uh, We also uh, meet. uh, We mentioned Isaiah, 
He's one of the main characters. He's sort of our, our baby face that thinks he's tough. His older sister, Naya, who is, I guess, as close to a protagonist as we have in the story. Her and Isaiah, I think, at least for the first two thirds of it. I feel like Naya is the emotional heart of the movie or like she the is. conscious of the movie. Yeah. But also a badass. Like, let's for be sure. clear. She for knows sure. what she is doing. And, oh, yeah. And she does it well. She is full on like action survivor, takes no shit. Like, yeah, she's awesome. 100%. Along with them, uh, we occasionally get uh, Dolores, who is the... Um, <laughs> I love Dolores. <laughs> With my entire heart. Dolores, who's alternately uh, horny, uh, looking to get drunk, or having intestinal issues. (laughs) And you know what? If that's not a 2020 mood. (laughs) Who among us? Who among us? Later on, she's trying to get to the communion wine when they're at the church. Um, (laughs) And then there's uh, Luisa and her daughter, Selena. Who uh, the the mother is uh, Luna Lauren Velez, who you know, recognizes the the police captain from Dexter. Slightly better not getting murdered in this than she was in Dexter. <laughs> Oops, spoilers <laughs> for Dexter. Uh, yeah, and Luisa and Selena uh, don't have a ton of personality. Luisa and Selena are there <laughs> sometimes, yeah. not are, very often though. <laughs> they are the the Latina characters uh, who it's you a- know. Live in Staten the child, Island. The child character was not annoying, was not a drag on the movie. Yeah. For that, she is to be commended as a kid character. <laughs> she has five lines, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah. They're there. They disappear for chunks of the movie, and then they come back. Yep, the- and that's it. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and the third group uh, is our uh, gangster group. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, led by Dimitri. Uh, you mean my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and I Dimitri? believe his name is pronounced Yolande Noel. Yes, and he is and he is everything in this movie. How happy were you that he lost his shirt for no reason? In oh the my act? god, so happy. <laughs> he was uh really covering up his uh, arsenal there. <laughs> I uh, Chris, I gasped. I knew it. I I was watching that scene and I was like, Ben likes this moment. <laughs> and I did. Uh, he's, he's the he's the gangster with the heart of gold. Uh, he's Naya's ex-boyfriend. He is not into the purge because he doesn't like things he doesn't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't know like what it when is. it's unpredictable and yeah. also full mood. Like, D- same. Yeah. Dimitri <laughs> is the character that when he's first introduced, I'm like, my, you know, right around like, ooh, let me try to game it out. Where's this going? I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, he's a, a, like, a, he's a gang leader. Like, he's a drug dealer. Like, he's got a lot of like bad qualities, but he's really got a heart of gold. Like, he's got, he's gonna have to like maybe like rediscover his inner like goodness and like maybe even if he has like, sa- I mean, it might be a heroic sacrifice type of thing. And then maybe about a third of the way through the movie. I became that Parks and Rec meme where it's like <laughs> Dimitri going, I have never done anything wrong in my life ever. You know, like, I know this and I love you. <laughs> 100%. Would you say that Dimitri is the Ben Wiggins of this movie? <laughs> I, I feel like this is like if Ben Wiggins was put in like the Captain America like chamber <laughs> that turns from skinny Chris Evans to like Chris Evans, Chris Evans. Like you put Ben Wiggins, like you meet, like you give, like Stanley Tucci sticks Ben Wiggins with like 
the super soldier serum and you get Yolan Noel in the first purge. <laughs> I am here for this. <laughs> well, if he is a... If, if he is a straight is, up superhero in this he, movie. He goes full diehard at the end of this movie. He's like, ah, uh, like... Just 25 hard eye emojis. Hard eye emojis for days. Listen, like, everybody else is in some kind of horror movie. He is in The Wire. Like, he is a full-on, like, suave, very likable gangster who has, like, the whole thing going on. And, like, you're, even from the beginning when they're like, he's the bad guy. I is like, oh, this, you know, how dare you have my brother dealing drugs? You're like, oh, no, this guy seems... He seems all right. right. Yeah. He's yeah, because he never does read like a bad guy. He reads like the boyfriend that she's annoyed with. But let's be clear: this man is a drug dealer, and he is still not the worst boyfriend we have watched so far. Just oh, no. throwing it out there. Oh yeah, like I yeah. feel like the movie does a really good job of be of getting you on his side. Like, and yeah. I feel like when it does it is when it goes to like him with like the three, you know, the three wise men at like yeah. the apartment building and he's like real unfriendly terms with them and i feel like again it's the movie doing one of you know pulling out some tricks where it's like oh we're presenting like a guy that does objectively bad things but we really want the audience to like him like yeah. let's pull out some tricks so i feel like i felt like that was a bit of the moment where i'm like okay no this is gonna, this is gonna be a good guy like i'm not seeing the dark Right. Like gang leader on Purge Night, like this is a protagonist. And there's there's a way too where he leads his people that doesn't feel the way it often would in a movie like this. Like they care about him genuinely. They're not just scared of him, right? Oh, like they, they, he they, is a leader. This I is mean, like there fast is one and gentleman f- who will be very scared of him shortly. Yes, fair uh, enough. But this is like Fast and Furious. They're family. Like it's- by the end, my notes were just like Dimitri for president. Like, <laughs> and let us not forget his best of his crew, which is Knife Girl. No idea Knife, what her name. Who is, is literally named Blades? Blades, Blades the Blades. Knife Girl. Not Blades. Blaze. Blaze. B o a i s e. I um, definitely thought it was Blades as well. Me too. I, I, I thought it was She's at first, Blades. which is why I looked it up. Uh, yeah, and if, if, and if he is the uh, if he's the Ben Wiggins of this movie, then she is the Sarah Swire of this movie. Dimitri's <laughs> crew at one point are full on like Avengers level badasses. <laughs> like one man is dual wielding AK 47s yes. A moment of such sheer badassery. I had to just pause it and just soak <laughs> it in. And meanwhile, she comes through and she's like, while you were purging, I was training then the blade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's clearly the enforcer of the group. And I think really the only other uh, gangster character of note in there is Seven and Seven, which is his second command, uh, who is also uh, married to the woman who plays Naya in real life. Uh, oh, oh that's cute. Stumbled yeah. across. Well, there, is, uh, there is one member of his crew of uh dimitri's crew that's a little more enthusiastic than others about the purge night <laughs> and that definitely yes. won't cause any problems later on no 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 yeah so uh we we get to see a bit of uh isaiah dealing drugs poorly um for shame cyborg and yes <laughs> and no, at every point that i hold this character to the moral standard of you are cyborg in doom patrol and i know that's not fair 
but I really, really like Doom Patrol. <laughs> this is our first jump scare of the movie, too, when he just turns around and just Skeletor face right up in his face. <laughs> yes! Yeah, so Skeletor is there. He wants some drugs. Because the kid is new, he wants some uh, free drugs. Fresh. Which, is that how mm-hmm. it works? Is that how drugs work? <laughs> the first one's free. Like, I don't think it works like the first time you, the dealer, do it. It's free. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's not how that works. Yeah, and he's also here to say the ominous lines, like, cleanse yourself in the freeing blood. We love Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, Skeletor... <laughs> Skeletor wants free drugs, and when he doesn't get free drugs, he decides to cut him with a razor, so. I'm kind of like, oh, so yeah, this, Skeletor is a Batman villain. Okay, Skeletor- so literally in my notes, I was like, so the Purge is just Gotham, is what I'm learning. Skeletor is like <laughs> Christopher Nolan tried doing an a-, a villain for the Adam West series. Oh, <laughs> you're not wrong. And this, later on, we will get to a character that's even more a Batman character because I swear Dr. Pig is one of the people that jumps out at them in this movie. It's true. <laughs> Did you see it? It was a pig. He was wearing the, the whole costume. He looked exactly like Dr. Pig. Yeah, I, I feel like so. that if, and of all the Batman villains, he'd be the purge. He'd, he'd be out there on purge. Like yeah, that, he, he's like, I'm living for this. You know, he's definitely the one like, I'm just going to fucking like, surprise people from the sewers he really for real he just wants their faces an essay every day is purge night if you live in gotham it's the only explanation for why for batman being like fucking my law now i purge that's basically that's basically what all the arkham games are aren't they or at least <laughs> the the second one on is like yeah there's just criminals all over gotham going crazy in fact isn't the plot of Arkham City that they like put they up shut a it down. through yeah. the like all the criminals on that side? 100%. Arkham City is great because its plot is essentially like we're closing down Rikers and what if we replaced it with Soho? <laughs> <laughs> so the assumption then is that Gotham has legalized the purge and we just are never told. Gordon, having no choice, declares, if all law is corrupt, then there will be no law. <laughs> Fine. You could all just have it. Skeletor. Isaiah gets, gets cut by yeah. Skeletor. Skeletor then runs off giggling into the night. And Isaiah which, which, goes, to be honest, is, a, is what the original Skeletor did pretty often, too. <laughs> yeah. Isaiah then goes home and bleeds all over everything before, you know, Naya comes home and realizes that he's bleeding all over everything. And then he's like, well, uh, I don't, you know, I just cut myself shaving. And she's like, no, you didn't. And he's like, oh, you're right. I was selling drugs. Because <laughs> he is a sweet baby angel. I cut myself shaving. And that's why I have a single gash halfway down my neck. Because that's how shaving works. <laughs> I cut myself really shaving. And I've never it. shaved before. So I don't it's like, I swear, I swear. I, I know you think the Gillette can't cut like this, but uh, I'm really bad. <laughs> Naya decides that she has to go chew out ex-boyfriend because he's selling for Dimitri, which apparently Dimitri doesn't know because he's just that big of a deal that he doesn't know who's on his corners. And Dimitri would never, he says. <laughs> he really does. He, there was a line in the scene where I was just like, ooh, girl, because she goes, the purge is one day. You destroy this city 365. And I was like, ooh, drop the mic, walk away. You got him. <laughs> 
At the same time, though, this is also a scene where Dimitri is shown coaching youth basketball at a, like a youth recreation center that he is clearly funding and maintaining. Right. This movie is like, look, we're going to let him get chewed out because he deserves it. But also do not forget heart of gold, just all the gold. In yeah, his he heart. leaves coaching basketball to go talk to her in his office where people are actively counting drug money. <laughs> There's a lot happening, okay? Like, People again, contain multitudes. It is a multi-use yeah. building. It's New York. <laughs> you can't have different buildings for the drug. Zoning, look, if Staten Island is real, which again, we haven't established that it is, <laughs> it's still New York zoning laws, and those are a motherfucker. Um, so we also find out uh, that Dimitri is not a fan of the purge. He doesn't want his guys taking part in it. He thinks it's bad for business, so everybody's supposed to hole up for the night and not be part of this, which is the end of the movie, obviously, nobody in this group takes part in it. Nobody in this movie wants to be part of the purge, so of course, nothing bad happens. Everyone has a chilled out staycation <laughs> at home. <laughs> they all watch they The Office up. again. They, they can watch the first three purge movies. Um, uh, we, we also learn how scary Blaze is because uh, one of Dimitri's guys is like, nah, I want to go purge and murder some people and steal some things. And uh, so she. She quickly beats his ass and threatens to kill him uh, without ever saying best. anything, I don't think. Oh, she has a line because she's not a fully silent character. I don't remember yeah. what the line was, but she says something quippy in that scene. Uh, she is she is full on scary, though. Um, Love her. And then, yeah, at this point, they uh, they run out of business for the first part of the movie. And they're just <laughs> like, hey, it's one hour before the purge now. <laughs> yes. Time is a stressful element of this movie. So I, I was like, I was live tweeting a little bit as I watched it. And the only thing I just kept tweeting, so eventually I had to stop, was I am stressed by the timing. Everybody's still outside. It's a good use of the <laughs> clock. And I like just like everyone getting ready, even if the movie does just contain such a tease in Skeletor fucking taping Wolverine syringe claws to his knuckles. Yeah, what would that accomplish? I, that was, well, I, thought I was at some so point, confused. I thought, well, I thought once he did that, I thought it was like, oh, okay, he's going to like punch somebody and they're going to be like, whoa, I, whoa, I punch you back, but whoa, I'm full of drugs now and I pass out. <laughs> Is that how syringes work? <laughs> to punch I don't know. Syringes. And then, <gasps> well, he never used. I don't know because he never uses it. He's like they spend a lot of time. It's like check. I'm druggy. I'm drug. Thought, I'm, I'm I, heroin Wolverine, <laughs> and it's like he never I fucking he, never uses it. He I just goes looked, for the knife every time. It looked to me like he cut him with the syringe. Is what it looked like, and I was like, that definitely doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can definitely stab somebody with a syringe and then just drag it across them, right? Like that. That works. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards introduced like punch guns. And I don't know if those are a thing, but it was so awesome. So I wanted, I was disappointed that it wasn't Chekhov's drug claws. <laughs> I, I'm sure Dr. Scientist would tell us that Chekhov's gun claws, I mean, uh, not, needle claws, claws yeah. are definitely real. She would know. They work because science. They work because science, like everything else. Look, I bet that actor could do a good job playing Scarecrow. That's all I know. Ooh, uh, <laughs> ideal casting. Yeah, so it's it's one hour before the uh, the purge. So naturally, all of the normal people who are not participating in the purge are centrally locating themselves in one position where they can be attacked at the church. 
That was one of many moments where I was screaming in stress. <laughs> she was yep, like, this no. is the most secure place in the city. And I was like, how? Why? Like, in we what have a way? man outside with a shotgun. I hope. A whole man. Isaiah, in the meantime, is lying about going to Brooklyn. He's like, oh, yes, yeah, sis, I, I went to Brooklyn. Definitely, totally am at our aunt's house in Brooklyn. While the he's fact that putting she in believed his contacts this. and loading a gun. The fact yeah. that she believed this is proof of how stressed she was because there is yeah. no believability in this lie whatsoever. Naya, don't fucking believe Cyborg. We're still essentially in Act One. Like <laughs> he is, he is like a liar at this point. He has not had a character arc yet. It's true. We also yeah. this is where we get to see the speech, right? That the new founding fathers guy is giving, where he says, "We are all Stanton Island tonight." Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Did he literally? Did they literally say "Eek" being nine Staten Islanders? Yeah. Again, this movie has heard of subtlety. Are you sure? And is offended by it on a fundamental level. I, this movie is like subtlety. I don't know. I don't know this word. <laughs> It's like I Sub- see, I see, I see your notion of salty, and I reject it wholeheartedly. But what if somebody misses it? We have to make it clearer. Has Marissa Tomei talked about the science? Listen to her talk about science. She knows <laughs> science because science. I mean, the only I person like- whose plan is less probable than Marissa Tomei's is Isaiah, who <laughs> has never killed somebody, has never shot a gun. But it's like, I'm going to take this single gun I have and go find a lunatic homeless man so that I can yeah. kill him. Isaiah, like, Isaiah, I am going to find and murder one specific drug addict in Staten Island. Which is apparently easy as he continually runs into him. So I'm just throwing it out there based on what we know from this movie about Staten Island, not that crazy. I, re- I really love, I, actually, I really like this, the early sequence of like the early purge when it starts. Yeah. And I feel like one, and again, not having seen the other movies, I feel like it's like in terms of like world building, what this does really well yeah. is kind of take the, what everyone's been saying about like the purge and stuff all this time where being like, oh, I wouldn't just jump to murder night. I would like yeah. have sex in public and do like drug <laughs> parties and stuff. And it, I feel like this really was like, we're going to take the, if the purge was like the way people reacted, and we're going to show how it's like, how it's kind of the worst, most powerful, most corrupt elements of society really just straight up twisting human nature or just like just forcing it into this different, unnatural cultural connotation to serve their own ends that doesn't actually fit human nature. Right. As, as Dr. Scientist says in somewhere in this sequence, they have to first abandon all of their basic human morality to get down to the core, where I was like, you just said it was the basic human morality. Is that not the core then? Like, Marissa? Like, Marissa. I, I feel like this movie <laughs> does a good, like, actually kind of an interesting, like, theme, like, philosophically, it seems to yeah. fall on the side of, like, authority especially like this like right-wing authority is evil but the common man like or the common yeah. person like humanity overall is fundamentally like okay and fine yeah. like yeah because like, yeah, there's not- definitely like yeah. it falls on the side of there are some outliers because like the next thing yeah. we get is the crazy ladies that with the shopping carts full of teddy bears um, Look, there's always going to be some Batman villains out there. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. Right. Which 
who knows what's going on with them, but they've seen some stuff. That's what we know from the interview. They've been made fun of for things. Don't know what those things are. And they are going to get back at people. Don't know who those people are. <laughs> yeah, all of our other main characters are hunkering down. Uh, Dimitri I mean, they literally is in his set fancy up penthouse. a teddy bear-themed death trap alley. That is literal Batman villain shit. Not the the crazy thing about this to me... Anymore. Let's get back crazy. to bring giant traps back 2021. <laughs> the, the crazy thing about this to me is Dimitri hunkers down in his penthouse. Uh, all of the other characters that we have any idea where they are at the church. Uh, and Isaiah decides that he's going to find Skeletor by aimlessly wandering the streets while everybody is, while le- murder is legal. First he, uh, first he finds the crazy ladies who uh, are, who try to blow him up with teddy bears. This is um, one of many moments where Isaiah is a classic horror movie character. <laughs> why did he, why pick it up? Why? why? If you saw a teddy bear laying on the street in this like creepy alley and the women are there laughing, it's not like he can't see them. Not what scenario? What like becomes clear very quickly is that going out completely by yourself is one of the worst strategies on Purge Night. But also, duh, this is proof that Isaiah is not a woman. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Isaiah, you got to get your shit together. You got to be cyborg in like a year. There, There is no... Except for Naya, who does it because of Isaiah, there are no women wandering around alone on Purge Night for a reason. Yes, no, Naya is only out there because oh, Isaiah is dumbass. Isaiah's Naya is only out there because Isaiah's so, dumbass stupidity is so dumbass stupid that it endangers multiple people. <laughs> it's true. Like it, it's not. It's too much dumbass stupidity to be contained to one person. So it needs to be like, no, just find someone else for me to endanger. He literally has a mom come pick me up moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Isaiah really, really wants to be He Man, so he is hunting for Skeletor everywhere. Uh, but and, he does not have the power of Grayskull. He just has no. glowing blue eyes. Yeah, after almost dying a couple a white, of times. He doesn't even have a sonic cannon yet. <laughs> <laughs> after almost dying a couple of times, he runs into a bunch of his, his gangster friends who were like, dude, what the hell are you doing wandering around here by yourself? Come with us to the purge question. party. Yeah. They were like, you're an idiot. We, we trained you better than this. I love the purge party. Like and also Purge looks, Party looks fun. Looks really fun. And again, it does have some natural downsides, but I really did love that the movies kind of put out where it's like, hey, if you give people total freedom, turns out they just kind of yeah. have a fun time. They just there's, they party down. There's a theme that comes up multiple times in this movie that kind of starts with the argument between Naya and Dimitri and is kind of illustrated in this scene and then again later on of the idea that this community will come together despite what you know the government and people in power are trying to do and this party i think is an example of that yeah absolutely the the party is peaceful yeah Uh, Yeah, there's definitely sex and drugs going on there there's drinking in the street which you know it was new orleans would be fine anyway um (laughs) <laughs> they're just you know they're just yeah. out in the street vibing wearing masks because masks good, are the real time. big theme for the purge okay i have so many questions and i want to know if the other movies answer them because this movie the only time it doesn't explain something is when the news reporters are like mask why are people wearing them anyway next story and i was like <laughs> yeah but why though like you've explained everything else to me why what what do you think is happening news reporters but no do the other movies go into why the masks? 
I don't think they say specifically why. I think it is is implied generally that like, oh, masks allow people to be faceless and hide behind this and they I can do whatever they want feel, because they have masks on. I feel right. that's one element where like, they. I feel like that they should have had that bit about the news story about the mask come later. Because yeah. to me, what would have made more sense is like, once the deaf squads come in, like if the deaf squads were wearing masks, so right, because like they oh are. well they're mercenaries yeah like but again they have because they have that mass thing before the death squads really come right. in it muddles it it, it feels like they if were- they did that after it'd be like oh it's it was really just these death squads trying to hide their identity yeah. and then the news covered that and then that just became like what you do on purge night yeah see that makes way more sense it feels like they went aesthetic first which they do a lot in this movie i think they were like these are creepy and kind of weird so we're doing it but then they, they hung a lantern on it, right? They brought it up and then never, ever explained what it is. Now, here's the thing, because it feels very Jeff Johns to me, right? Because okay. the first movie, the, you know, the bad guys had masks. And every movie since then, there have been creepy masks. And that's been right. sort of their, like, poster thing is Absolutely. creepy masks. And this, like one, masks. this one, it seemed like they felt like they had to go, hmm, What's with the masks? Let's give an origin story to masks. It's like, I don't think we really need that. It's like when Power Rangers oh, like man. threw a lampshade on like, hey, how come there's like colorful explosions all the time? It's like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Just enjoy. Right, because I actually hadn't questioned it. I don't know about you, Ben, watching these for the first time. It didn't occur to me to question it uh, until they were like, yeah, why are they wearing masks? And I was like, yeah, wait, why are it, they wearing masks? It definitely didn't, <laughs> partly just because I'm like, oh, I've seen trailers and posters yeah. For the purge, people in the purge wear crazy masks. I'm watching a purge movie, people are wearing purge masks. And then again, yeah, yeah once they brought it up, and then it's like, oh, well, there's the death squads, which were doing this whole like false flag thing. And then I'm like, again, once it became like, oh, there was this logical explanation, then I come back to, so what the fuck was up with that creepy baby mask? Why did you do that? Why the like, baby mask, though? Yeah, yeah. Like how much time did you spend on that? <laughs> yeah, how, there, is a, there is an unseen version of this movie where there's an arts and crafts night before Purge. <laughs> where people are like, ooh, gotta get my mask together. I'm gonna stick randomly things that make it stick out of my head sideways. I don't understand that So mask one of still. my favorite scenes or like sources of humor is just like movies or television is like, scenes that must have happened yes where it's like oh wow you four assassins all came out from like the same direction and like shot that person at the same time how long did you have to rehearse that (laughs) there's no way you did that perfectly on the first go you definitely had to practice that very obscure thing like and i feel like the whole purge series is full of like if you think about inevitable like there's a lot of really funny silly scenes that had to have led up to Right, like the same way that before Halloween, Target just has all the Halloween stuff. You know there's like a pre-purge sale at uh, Target where it's like, get your random pig mask. Yeah, like before you can get to like hidden sewer sexual predators, (laughs) there's definitely a guy looking on his phone trying like shopping for like talking baby dolls and being like i gotta like if i go i don't know if i drive a little bit farther i can save 10 bucks on it though (laughs) i i was that okay so this is this is a character that is wearing a baby doll head and a voice box that has a recording of a baby on a mask 
not as a mask, but on top of a mask, like attached to a mask, who comes out of the sewer. So was he supposed to be like three different urban legends at once? Is that what that was? I mean, kind of. I assume what they're going for is the like theoretical urban warfare idea of like, oh yeah, there's a crying baby. Oh, people are going to come look for the crying baby and then it's a trap. I don't know how much time either one of you spent on Tumblr being randomly sent urban legends that warned you about <laughs> things that were definitely real. But one of the ones that went around a lot when I was a teenager was that like, you know, if you hear the baby crying on the side of the street, don't stop. It's a person. They're going to get you, which has never ever happened as far as I'm aware. But, and then there's also the like things in the sewers in the city urban legend. Right. And he was both. I, I did it one time when I was walking home and there was just a baby no. on the sidewalk no and within like eight seconds like like a two-year-old like the like the parent had been like was on the other side of the car and was crouching but for that like for like a good solid like six seconds i'm just staring at this baby and all that's <laughs> going through my head is like well my night just got a whole lot different like I'm Brady. like, what? I'm like, I'm like, I am not prepared for whatever this is now. <laughs> it's just that, I I, for me, it's immediately that Mad Max gif of, that's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that the three of us have the same type of brain because I discovered one of my friends has the other type of brain. But she texted me and she's like, I hear a baby crying. I'm going to go find out what it is. And I texted back, you're about to be murdered. Do not. No. <laughs> oh, no. I'm looking at this baby and all that's going through my head is like, Oh, I'm going to have to fill out so much fucking paperwork. <laughs> we, we call that other type of brain an Isaiah brain. <laughs> yes, it's true. Because at least Naya hears the baby and is like cautious. Yeah. 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 She doesn't go. She isn't. She's looking around for it, but she's not like running to it. At least she was like, baby, why are What are you doing on Purge Night, baby? What crimes are you doing? <laughs> are you doing baby crimes? Oh, no. Oh, baby crimes <laughs> rugrats the purge <laughs> the purge babies <laughs> that's the lion king one and a half of this movie yes. babies going in committing crimes oh my uh, gosh just, <laughs> okay before just before baby arlo do... sabian doing baby fascism <laughs> baby arlo sabian <laughs> <laughs> imagine a baby named arlo uh, yes. My father's, name, my father's name Sheldon, and I don't know how you can look at a baby and be like, "Yeah, look at you, baby Sheldon." It's a real Sheldon there, uh, right? That's that's how it sounds. That's the tone you should use when you call someone a Sheldon. Yeah, speaking of of setups being ridiculous, alongside the purge party, which we were talking about. There's also another scene with Dimitri. Uh, seven and seven calls him and says, uh, "Hey, how you doing? Everything all right?" Uh, you want us to send some girls over to your place? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> so I was confused send- by that interaction because he specifically is like, nah, I don't really want that. And then they show up anyway. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> he's just, uh, you know, his second command is pressuring him into uh, having prostitutes over. Uh, yeah, he didn't have to pressure him that hard. Yeah, he's that's like, nah, I'm not feeling it. Are you sure? Well, uh, I right. mean, they're here now. What I'm like, I'm like well, look, if they, if they already made the trip, I don't. I hate to be rude. It's purge night. They, they came, came all the way, all the way here. from Queens. 
It's like, look, we're not going to send them away on birds night. Like, if they're here, they're here. Like, <laughs> so the the prostitutes show up and inevitably, of um, course, try to kill him uh, because that's was that was what was going to happen from the moment that that idea was introduced in the story. Uh, of course, they did. Uh, it was just a matter of why (laughs) they are not aware that in addition to being a drug dealer he is also a superhero it is a surprise to us all when it happens oh yeah Uh, one of the girls attempts to stab him from behind and he feels it coming (laughs) his spider uh, senses tingle and he he not only doesn't get stabbed he flips around and beats up both both of his but like, he doesn't know how to die remember no one ever it, taught him how to die so he just can't doesn't He's know immortal. how to die i forgot about that line it's beautiful <laughs> yeah i like to assume that when we're creating the movie that happened before the movie i like to assume that blaze trained him in the art of the fighting like, <laughs> oh, I, every oh member of this every member of this gang is straight up special forces they are. Who is not they, special forces? Do they ever establish the... that Dimitri has like a military background or is no! he just somehow a superhero? He's just amazing and there is no reason or backstory or explanation. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's how Actually, you get to be that's how you get to be the best drug dealer in Staten Island is by being a ninja. Apparently that is the case. Actually, nobody in this movie has a backstory at all. The most backstory any character has is Dimitri and Naya used to date. It's very And everybody knows about it, sort of. Except for Dolores. (laughs) Dolores has no idea. She knows there was a boyfriend. She just doesn't know it was him. But everyone else seems to know. (laughs) Later, she will describe the fact that they were at once at one point boyfriend and girlfriend at a very strange juncture in the movie to be doing this. And then I do like how in the beginning she's like, they're calling Dimitri big dog and it's kind of like a derisive thing. And then by the yes. end, it's like, here's the, the big dog of Staten Island. He saved everybody. He's a yeah. fucking, like that's his superhero moniker now is big dog. Yeah. So while he is uh, not, well, while he is punching prostitutes, um, meanwhile, across town, Isaiah. In self-defense. Yes, yeah, they were trained at fighting too a little bit. Like just somehow, it out there. is everybody is everybody in Staten Island a weapons master? It's it's a little known fact. That's why it's so hard to be from Staten Island. Is you have to prove uh, yourself why, first. This is why I don't ride the ferry. <laughs> you you're not, so, you, you're not you ready. There's so many karate <laughs> fights on the ferry. <laughs> once you have, once you are ready, someone will come to you to invite you to Staten Island. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so meanwhile, at the purge party, Isaiah is uh, being ineffective, and Skeletor decides to take matters into his own hands and goes ahead and starts killing people at the party Isaiah is at looking for him. He just starts stabbing people, and it takes killing a few before people start to notice. And then uh, everybody screams and runs every direction. That felt horrifying. Like, that felt like some real terror. Because, again, crowd like that, everyone moving, everyone, like, it felt very believable that you could just, like, stab someone and they could just fall over and things could just go about before, like, anyone noticed. Like, that felt very of the there's so many around you and you're still totally alone. Absolutely. It's like that club uh, part in the first season of Killing Eve 
I was, I was, yeah, I was just thinking about that. Man, that was such a good season. And um, so, speaking of Isaiah being terrible at everything he does, poor soul. So bad. He pulls a gun on Skeletor and holds it so close, which is, I have never in my life held a gun, but I have watched a movie, and I know you don't do that. <laughs> it's a gun. Not having the beast inches away from them is kind of the point of it. It's yeah. so easy to disarm them. <laughs> Like he every held it time to the back someone... of Skeletor's head. The thing is, Skeletor's not interested in disarming him. He turns around and is like, "All right, go ahead and shoot me in the head because I'm a crazy person. Like, let's do it." <laughs> he does. My notes are just like me yelling, "Like, just shoot him!" Like, cyborg, no, bad cyborg. That does bother me so much. Whenever like a character is pointing a gun, and then like, oh, I'm angry now, so I'm gonna like put it right against like your head, it's... as if it's somehow you're gonna get shot worse if my gun is two feet like closer <laughs> but now i'm perfect distance for you to disarm me like a dum-dum it's oh poor isaiah Even though i have a gun and could just stay you know like 10 feet away from you at all times because right. this could have been over before you noticed i was here but i had to stick it right up in your face i mean granted it does kind of work out better that way in the long run but you didn't know that, Isaiah, and you could have ended this very quickly and easily. Yeah, Skeletor's all into being shot uh, by Isaiah. Skeletor's <laughs> already killed a couple people tonight. He's like, go ahead and shoot me. Isaiah can't do it. And so he's like, all right, now I'm going to hunt you instead. Um, like, Skeletor has this big, like, Obi-Wan, if you kill me, I'll only return more powerful <laughs> energy, but not powered by the Force, just like by heroin and craziness. I also love that Isaiah runs and Skeletor just like slowly walks after him because he knows they're in Staten Island and we'll find each other again, apparently. Yeah, it's a small Skeletor, neighborhood, a very small Skeletor neighborhood in Staten Island. Finally, like once upon a time, Skeletor went to like his like high school guidance counselor and they're like, what career do you want? He's like, I want to be a slasher villain. <laughs> like that's not a job. And now it's like, he's thinking like, fucking my time to shine. You do that slow walk. You're gonna, you keep slow walking, eventually you're going to teleport. This will all work out. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so he, he, chases, he chases poor Isaiah through alleys and streets. Isaiah keeps hiding and uh, eventually figures out to close his eyes so that uh, Skeletor can't see his bright, <laughs> shiny contacts. Um, and then he decides, so and then, he, then he calls his big sister to come pick him up. <laughs> like mom isaiah, this party isn't fun anymore isaiah you're so useless <laughs> i don't he, want to purge anymore no, <laughs> that's literally what it is it, it really is it's like the i'm not mad at isaiah i'm just real disappointed in yeah. him the whole movie naya's like how's brooklyn and he's like i ain't going to brooklyn i'm <laughs> I don't want to murder anymore. <laughs> it turns out it I'm bad at murder, too. It turns out going out on the most dangerous night ever was a bad idea, like you said. And specifically going out and trying to kill a crazy person, Batman villain. On my own. Yeah, so, so A guy who, the most insulting name you could think of for him was Skeletor. <laughs> That was that was the sickest burn you had was Skeletor. Don't fuck with someone like that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're gonna get a real we're gonna get a real Cobra Commander later in this uh, in this movie. Oh, it's true. But, oh, it's yeah, true. I mean, we, we've got all the 
all the great villains of 80s cartoons popping up here. Uh, but of course, Naya uh, rushes out of the to go find her stupid brother. And um, she finds like 500 people in the weirdest masks. <laughs> yeah, there's weird masks. There's uh, you know, sex in the streets. There's the ambush, the ambush baby man. Um, uh, there is sock face man. Sure. That's, he sure. just seems to have a sock on his face. warnings that this is uh, that ambush baby man is yeah. um, where there's a trigger warning for sexual violence. And this Even is also if, where they reference uh, pussy grabbing. Yeah, it's also where the movie once again decides like I've heard of like I've heard of subtlety and I reject it. <laughs> yeah, they really. Do. She literally yells, "He's a rapist!" In case you didn't like get it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just that. I've heard of writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards <laughs> as a whole film. I mean, I I can relate to that. I feel like. <laughs> Uh, well, while while she is doing this, Dimitri is being much more effective. For for as ineffective as Isaiah is, Dimitri is incredibly effective because uh, he he talks his uh, previous assaulters into rolling up into the camp of the guy who hired them to kill her, which is a gangster named Capital A. I uh, love that the, the the scene they call Dimitri D most of the movie, and in this scene they're like A D. <laughs> Yeah, his his street name is Capital A, not like just a big A, but like people say the word capital beforehand. They're like, hey, Capital A, which like they introduced this guy earlier. This guy was like, oh, it's the purge. We're going to like, this is our night to shine. We're going to take over the neighborhood. And there's a reason we didn't talk about that scene. It's because it's one of two scenes in which his character exists. Yeah, it's true. Because in this one, Dimitri's like, Hey, you sent these like the girls are like, oh yeah, we killed him, and he's like, oh great, let me get all of my guys in one place to come thank you. Let me go into an alley that has no outlet. Like you cannot get out of this. Like it could not be more obviously a trap. And he's like, ah, I see, my plan worked and nothing went wrong. We had to meet out here for some reason. No idea why, but I'm going for it. Yeah. This is the scene where Dimitri specifically says, I don't know how to die, which canonically establishes that he is immortal. <laughs> <laughs> this is not this is not a boast. That is a canon character trait. He's and immortal unless somebody true. were to teach him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which Capital A is about to, because uh Capital A dies. Uh and Dimitri's like, let the girls go, kill the rest of these fools. Uh, and then walks away with his back turned as they get shot behind him which yeah. isn't quite walking away from an explosion but is pretty close I, yeah. one thing I really enjoyed after that was pretty much immediately after you have Dimitri in his second command joking how like by the rules of the purge like oh they're look how much better they are now they purged that now they're good people I and, do love that and overall I really did love how the movie just called out the whole central premise of like this like oh the purge like there's no crime because everyone gets it all out on like one night and so there's no crime ever and how this movie was kind of like no that's a load of horseshit it's all just propaganda by a right-wing government to achieve its own corrupt ends every bit of psychology and science behind this entire concept is a utter complete load of horseshit 
what are you talking about? She repeatedly says that science is apolitical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, sure, Jan. Because <laughs> Jeremy, I don't know, like the first purge, like it does treat like the central concept of the purge yeah. and that it's a boon for society. Like it does, like at least at the beginning, like it does kind of treat that as just like established fact that people accept, right? Yeah. And I, so I do love that if you take it as a whole, it's like, it's not real. It's just like, it's just the government doing a horrifyingly good job yeah. of just spinning a narrative and people convincing themselves that it is real because enough important sounding people told them it was real. Or and here some we get people, yeah. right? And, and we get our smart characters and, that are like, uh, no. Yeah. And bear in mind, it's like, oh, that movie has an almost entirely white cast yeah. of people who buy into it versus the first purge is almost entirely uh, people of color cast who are yeah. like, no, this is a whole lot of bullshit. I, th I think it, that is it's really the smartest part of the movie is the way that they do that and ha that conversation specifically in the car. It's such great commentary and so we can apply to our own world, but I do find it's a very fascinating conversation that this movie is kind of having with its own franchise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, I think even in the first one, they're like, there's this feeling of, oh, well, we're, we're sophisticated upper class white folks. So we're just going to stay at home and, you know, ride this out um, until, you know, wh whoever these people are that go out and purge, just go have their fun. Right. You know, some of them will die, whatever. And then it becomes very quickly clear that like there's a, a hunted hunter situation going on. They apparently hadn't considered, but is is very much the sort of central idea of the story. Yeah, and, and this one really does away with a lot of the like idea that you know the first thing that would happen would be a lot of random violence by normal people. Yeah, that's not that's not what happens. In fact, I mean, probably it's probably already happened by this point in the story. I I didn't catch where exactly some of these doctor scientist scenes are but uh, are we talking about the scene where she's like based on statistics this shouldn't have happened this way and i was like how did they get those yeah, I, like, based I need... on what statistic what possible, what possible case study can you compare to for like do you have as a baseline for purge did, night did she survey people it was like how likely are you to murder your neighbors if it were legal on a scale of one to seven is it like the election text bank and like hey if it were legal would you murder your neighbors like Text one for yes, text two for no, like text three to unsubscribe. Keep it in mind, a, this is anonymous. <laughs> exactly. It was a Twitter poll. Um. Mm -hmm. It's like, because there's really, um, they keep coming back. I, ran, I did, look, I ran a vet, look, I made a whole bunch of mods for The Sims. <laughs> I ran it a bunch of times. Godzilla showed up once. I don't know why that hasn't happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they they keep coming back to doctor, scientist, and uh, politician, and uh, politician Arlo keeps uh, keeps saying politician would just be politician if he didn't have the name Arlo Sapien. Arlo Sapien keeps keeps asking just why all these poor people aren't killing each other because there's just not enough there's just not enough murder going on for this uh, this to be successful for his political party. 
Um, right. Just wild. Which again, what does success look like? I don't know how this is supposed to work. <laughs> it's baffling. I, I love her prediction. She's like, all the murdering will happen real fast and then everyone will tire themselves out and they'll be we, chill. There were models. <laughs> we did machine learning. Like big stuff, <laughs> like big murder. It's like dinner. You get a big murder rush, and then it's really just a lot of drunk people stumbling in. Yeah, I haven't seen one creeper yet, and it's like 11 o'clock, so. (laughs) This is what happens when uh, you go to Trump University to get your behavioral science degree. (laughs) Uh, Oh, okay, so now we're at the point where uh, Naya finally finds Isaiah. Well, gets, gets relatively close to where Isaiah is. And, uh, of course, uh, Skeletor catches her and is now going to, to kill her. So Isaiah, for the first time, successfully manages to stab somebody. Let's uh, not forget that they, he, he did something wrong before that, though. Yeah. As he left his ringer on during the perch. <laughs> because when she calls him, it rings. <laughs> yeah. At- Isaiah. Isaiah. <laughs> Bubby, so um, Isaiah, my, my my sir, my dude, you just just put it on. Do not you are, disturb. You are you are a few boo. You are a few booyah short of a cyborg. <laughs> it's true. Oh. Uh, but yeah, he he manages to uh, to stab uh, Skeletor in an unimportant. Uh, part of his body, I guess. <laughs> his back, not, his spine. He really, he really wanted to kill this guy a few hours ago. Now he's literally stabbing him, and he's like, "I do guess it I does guess somewhere look, in the lower back." It does. It really is. It's the, really that spot. Like you can just see Skeletor trying to be like, "Oh, that one spot I, he just can't reach." <laughs> like, he, he's really trying to get it. It's just that. Oh, he's really straining for it. Like it's like I felt bad. Not so much being like, "Oh yeah, I've been stabbed," but just been like, "God, yeah, I've had that itch before." Oh, that's a tough <laughs> one, bro. Yeah. So they. Is- is Skeletor the one, because now I can't remember, I wrote this down, I don't remember who said it. Is he the one that says the line, you can't purge me, I purge you? <laughs> because somebody does in this oh scene. My gosh. That <laughs> sounds right. I thought you said, I am the purge. Somebody, oh, you know what? This might be a note from back when uh, the person got ambushed by Dimitri, because I do believe it was Dimitri who said, you can't purge me, I purge you. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like something somebody would say if they didn't know how to die. Um, <laughs> it's true. And then, yeah. and from here on, Skeletor disappears until the last five minutes of the movie. It's true. Yeah, I was. I kept waiting for Skeletor to come back, and uh, he is a driving force of the first half of the movie. And after getting uh, stabbed in the lower back, he <laughs> he just disappears for a while. Nia and Isaiah, he, had to, he had to walk it off. <laughs> I, de- I definitely had my moment in act in like a few di- act three where I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, did they just forget? I'm like, did they forget about it? Like, did he die? Did that one stab do him in? Right. I definitely assumed he had died after a while because I was like, well, he isn't he isn't coming back. I guess. Yeah. Well, there's a point in this movie where I thought they were then hinting he at does. him like showing back up to to do something, you know, late in the game, and he does, but not in a way I was expecting from what. Yeah. What I thought is. There's a, like when they arrive back at the 
at the at Naya and Isaiah's apartment. Like, did you think he was inside the apartment? I did. I thought Me I thought too. he was inside the apartment. There's even a moment where she's like, "Oh, I thought I wiped the blood up. I guess I didn't." And I was like, "It's not his blood." But apparently it was. That was yeah, just where, a random yeah, line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit. I forgot about that line. That line yeah. went nowhere. Yeah, was that, I, that was, was that exactly a, what I was talking about. Was there a cut scene? Was there something supposed to happen? Because I was like, they need to check the closets. They need to look all around this house because right. there's someone. I guess so. But then like he does show up later. But it's like, God, that line really implied that there was. And I right. really feel like that would have been a really cool moment like at that point in the movie. Once they had barricaded the door and that it like someone's actually in there with them. Put, like, perfect. Oh, that would have been. Mm, that's, that, that's Howard Gold right there. Is I'm telling you. Like that's, I feel like that's such a great setup for horror. Is like we've yeah. barricaded the house, we've done all this work to keep anything from getting like in. Oh God! Now we're barricaded inside with something. This, the Skeletor is coming from inside yeah. the house. The purge is coming from inside the bathroom. <laughs> Before we get back to the apartment, uh, we do have Nye and Isaiah head back to the church, and they arrive at the church to find it. Uh, being decimated by what appears to be some sort of white supremacist gang yeah. who is, you know, have brought their own guy with a shotgun, which is an impressive anticipation of what the security would be at this church. They're, unfortunately, their multiple men with shotguns beats the church's one man with shotguns. Yeah, it's a, it's a real you idiot, we've all got swords moment. Like... <laughs> yeah no. this scene was heartbreaking like i i mean i know they gathered a bunch of people it's, at a place it was gonna happen it still like hit me in the emotions I mean, though it can't i mean the real world parallels are yeah. just too in your face i mean we have i mean it is an explicitly a white supremacist death squad yeah. attacking a black church and the, the acting in this scene, Naya and Isaiah both just give this, the, the, so much happens in their faces in this scene, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's the, it's the most tragic moment of the movie, I think. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and again, it's like the movie leans hard into real world parallels. And again, it is that existential terror and that knowledge of just how real violence like this is just makes it that much more like hard hitting and hard to watch like yeah. in a well done way yeah yeah absolutely so they they go to after the the gang leaves everything is quiet they go to check out stuff and uh he sort of pokes his head in and as they're they're getting ready to go into the church uh <laughs> Uh, it turns out Louisa and Selena have survived. Um, the, yeah, the name and characters. They did it by covering themselves in other people's blood, apparently. Yeah. Oof. Run. Which no one will not give anybody any PTSD whatsoever. Nope. Yeah. They they run back in and they're like, oh no, don't don't go in there. It's you don't want to see what's going on. Like what's happened in there. Um, and so they all decide to go back to the. Uh, the projects where where everybody lives, I guess everybody in this story is from this apartment block. Yeah, yes, they, which they repeatedly talk about on the news. How this is the is the most important apartment block for reasons. For reasons, and they're like, "We'll know if it fails or succeeds based on this one building." And I was like, "Why? <laughs> because why?" <laughs> it's Mega City One. 
Because there is one building in all of Stanton Island is what I have learned. Yeah, and meanwhile... Uh, There's one building and one house that's full of vampires. And that's just it. a whole, like, maybe ten people. <laughs> and they all know each other. Everybody knows That's Stanton Island. Island. Yeah, so... Uh, meanwhile, Dimitri and his his convoy, his two, his two semi-armored trucks are uh, headed back across town and they're looking at all the all the crazy stuff going on the street and joking and having a good time until a uh, till an ice cream truck on fire comes flying down the uh, way and runs straight into their car. This and, is definitely uh, one of those things that's like well-established trope in a movie that if a camera is showing the side view of the passenger seat, yeah. there will be a wreck. <laughs> it will happen. Yeah, so there's, there's a wreck and Dimitri wakes up in the flipped over car and his buddy is dead and um, they're under... They're under attack from a gang of very well-armed guys who they then kill. <laughs> because, <laughs> because they're as you do. Because Dimitri uh, can kill any any group of guys with automatic weapons. He is not afraid okay. of those. So in this scene, they see the, the tattoo on these characters. Mm-hmm. And one someone says that he saw them overseas. Was that Dimitri? So was there backstory or was that the his I, second in command? Was, I think that was the second in command. Okay. Okay. I think so I'm not. I did. I did sure. love that this was a scene. This is one of many scenes where I wrote down, "Ooh, I think these are mercenaries." And five seconds later, they go, "Hey, these are mercenaries." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, I, the subtlety." <laughs> I feel like you know, you talk about ways where uh, this movie is proven like prescient and like predicted yeah. stuff. I feel like this movie uses uh, militia groups in a way that yeah. feels much more real and visceral in 2020 than it did in 2018. Absolutely. My biggest question with this is like they're uh, they're gonna later be revealed well almost immediately after this they're revealed. (laughs) Again no subtlety there's not a lot of time between reveal. Yeah so they they reveal that they're they're mercs of some sort they have tattoos that this guy has seen and mercenaries overseas they're not necessarily from here. and then uh, Dr. Scientist is like, hmm, it's sure weird that all these roaming gangs of uh, heavily armed people have just shown up in the middle of this thing. <laughs> Science says that they should have all killed each other early on, and then now they should be taking murder naps. Um, <laughs> yeah, this... no, that's why it's weird. Not just that suddenly roving gangs of, right? of, like, of literal Nazi Confederate, like, KKK death squads are just rolling around in military vehicles with military weapons. And yeah. all she has to do, apparently, is roll back the drone tape and she's like, ah, I've discovered that the politician was behind it. <laughs> the most well-covered of all secrets. Uh, yeah, at which point the politician walks in and is like, are you looking at secret footage? Hmm. And she's like, and she, being a cool like operator, immediately goes, "Yes," and I'm against <laughs> it. She, this is the this is the scene that is the most unintentionally funny scene in the whole thing, where she's like, "I can't believe my murder science was used for murder." <laughs> I proposed a night where everyone could murder and rape and do like legally. 
for the good of mankind and you twisted my pro-murder research for your own pro-murder ends. Yeah, she's you like, this to... is supposed to be democratic murder. This is not supposed to be fascist murder. I've been telling everyone this, murder. I've been telling everyone this whole movie that, that science is apolitical <laughs> and here you are using my murder science for politics, you politician? This is not what murder was meant for. You have ruined a beautiful thing. Murder was pure once, and now we're here. It's all commercialized now. <laughs> I miss the good old days when murder was for its own sake. <laughs> yeah, she has a real moment of, wait, the fascist government is using this night of open murder to kill a bunch of black and brown people that it feels like are too much of a burden on society? Hmm, I can't wow. believe that that would Again, happen. As far as we can tell, she still firmly believes that if people had a one night a year to freely murder and like and pillage, that they would be better citizens the rest of the year. Like her right. only, she's still firmly in belief of like that message of people got murder. And her only thing is like, you're corrupting the data. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is bad science. If only she had a type of science that you could use to predict future events from past ones that could have told her this was going to happen. If only. <sighs> this is what happens when you only study human behavior and you're not familiar with political science. It's true. This is what happens when you change your name to doctor and didn't study psychology. <laughs> And she gets this like one-liner moment that is not earned at all from her. He goes, we're doing the purge for overpopulation. And she's like, is that even true? Or did you falsify that data too? And I'm like, all right, sit down and chill, lady. Yeah. <laughs> is overpopulation even true? It's like, no. No. We <laughs> Which you should know because that's your whole job. <laughs> no, we're, we're pretty clear that we could supply enough resources if we were just smart about shit. We're just not. Yeah, no, he, he kind of looks at her like, wow, she's buying my lies. I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, and, and she's like, Is it I'm going to tell everybody. Your inauguration had the biggest crowd. <laughs> All this time I've been believing you because I heard it on Fox News. Are you telling me I shouldn't have been getting my data from there? Yeah, she says the one thing, the one thing in this movie that is fatal to a rich white person, which is I'm going to tell everybody. Um, no, I was like, girl. <laughs> I am going to tell everybody. What I'm going to tattle on on white supremacist fascism. What I'm, the one thing I'm not clear on is these roving street gangs that uh, the government calls in. If the idea is that they're actually supposed to be like white supremacist groups and things like this, and you know that they the government has just said, "Hey guys, you want to ride? Uh, you want to come up and kill them for free?" Or if like. They're actually just all mercenaries that the government is like, you could just wear a white hood for this. That would be great. And if you could wear a Nazi mask. I was okay. say, we, gotta, we have to talk costume. about these costumes because can we talk about the escalating levels of these costumes? It's like, okay, clearly they're white supremacists in that first seed. And then it's like multicolor clan hoods. <laughs> okay. And then in case... Like, I feel like that's that meeting where they were discussing maybe the movie was too subtle. They were like, I don't know. What if people don't get the clan hoods? Put them in Nazi uniforms. But what if people miss it? What if but, they're in blackface masks? It's like, I still worry it'll be too subtle. Okay, what if they're rubber Nazi uniforms? <laughs> so you'll hear uh, them be Nazis every time they move. And, <laughs> and then by the very end, they're literally wearing minstrel show masks. Yeah. 
Uh, did we think we Dimitri, did subtle right? <laughs> Dimitri literally choking the life out of this is a, this is a shot that lasts for about a minute and a half. That is about like again ninety seconds of Dimitri just slowly choking the life literally out of a minstrel out of a white man in minstrel show like mask like with his bare hands but just in case that was too subtle because again we don't want anyone to miss it let's have a random out of context unexplained scene on a baseball field with america the beautiful playing while police brutalize a black man I, but, wow it wow this movie, like this movie, this movie. <laughs> we have lost the ability to word. <laughs> this, like, what can we say about this movie that this movie isn't proudly and confidently saying about yeah. itself? I, I, at the beginning of my notes, I was like, "There's a lot to unpack here." At the end of my notes, I was like, "Just kidding." They unpacked it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Is it?" I don't feel like this movie packed it in the first place. I feel like I feel like this movie is just running through the airport with piles of clothes strewn about it, like in its arms. <laughs> I think like, it's, do you get it? Do you get it though? But did you get it? Like, I need to know you got it. The amazing thing is that like history is making this movie seem more on the nose. Like, no, it's the true. last the last it's like, big three winter soldier like, secret Nazis. That's a cop out. Oh shit! It was secret Nazis. They really called it. like i mean again the stuff of the science it's like there's no way they could have predicted something so clear one-to-one as the way trump has dealt with fauci and like and the scientists and yet it's so one-to-one honestly yeah it's it's wild so yeah dr scientist is is uh escorted out meanwhile naya and company run back to the apartment block uh, where is, they find Dolores again. Yeah, is this is this when they're running back and they get squirted by a water gun for some reason? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what what was that? Was I was I the only one that was waiting for that to be something? Yeah, guy I mean, in suit holds him at gunpoint, uh, apparently going to shoot them, and then it turns out it's a water gun, and he like, literally daffy felt- ducks his ass out of there. <laughs> but yeah, like, that felt to me. Happen? I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of thing someone would do on Purge Night. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's like, I'm like, that's the level of prankster shittiness. Like, I could see, like, a 16 or 17-year-old being like, yeah, I'm going like, yeah, to spray paint a water gun black and make people think, like, I'm actually going to kill them on Purge Night. Can you like, imagine how obnoxious teenagers would be on Purge Night? This is now all I can think about. I mean, that's basically yeah, no, like, the plot of the like, first That movie. felt very, like, that was like, oh, this feels like a very realistic yet non-murdery Purge behavior. That Somehow happen. this guy has got a friend who is, like, twisting up people's shotguns and rifles so that you know they they make <laughs> use and they shoot themselves i i am always oh my the god person... i just imagine can you imagine like the logan paul you like purge night videos uh, that, that was like definitely him that character right yeah. there that was, or or the ones that are setting fire to random stuff on the street that was the other one see i i am the person who's always assuming something terrifying is about to happen even when it's just a water gun because i was like okay they sprayed them with something what is it i don't know maybe it's something that's going to attract something to them is he going to release feral dogs to chase them this is where my brain went (laughs) although i have to say at the point that that guy shot me with a water gun and started to run off that might be the point where i started committing murder (laughs) (laughs) just like that's it it's time to (laughs) be like oh Oh, feeling the purge! Come on, I am going to murder that guy. <laughs> coming, I'm coming. I'm coming down with a purging. 
<laughs> yeah, it, ugh, it's rough. Um, yeah, so my this is maybe my favorite unnecessary bit in the movie, yes. which is they they get back to the apartment and they find Dolores. Dolores has been in her apartment across the hall. Yeah, she was out looking for them, but then she got the bubble guts because she was eating, <laughs> drinking everything at the at the church. So she really had to take a shit. So she went back to her apartment. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact Dolores. that we've had all of these characters that are like really like good fighters, smart characters, also Isaiah, but we have all these characters that have been out there. They've run into death-defying situations all night. Dolores just walked around the neighborhood and came back fine. Dolores clearly stumbled into this from a completely different movie. <laughs> she did. And I'm glad. I loved her. Dolores is the best like, friend in the purge rom-com. Like, <laughs> she also has the lie that her like, bowels decided to purge Dolores too. Was supo- Dolores was supposed to be in a last holiday sequel and she wound <gasps> up here. A last holiday purge crossover movie. <laughs> oh my, Queen, Latif- Queen Latifah just wasting dudes left and right. <laughs> Queen Latifah knows that she's going to be purged so she goes on a just like a fun night beforehand. That's the real purge movie we all need is, is Queen Latifah's <laughs> like, well... I've got cancer. I'm dying. So instead of <laughs> instead of having a great holiday for Christmas, I'm on purge night just going to go out and murder some people. I, I want this. This is this is what I've always dreamed of. I'm getting no, I'm just going to murder some folks. You can't deny the purge is a good narrative setting. It's a lot true. of good stuff you can do with a purge night. There's just so, so much can happen on purge night. It's magical that way. <laughs> it's like prom but with murder. <laughs> it's like prom but with murder. Murder prom. Uh, murder prom sounds like a movie we would do on the show. To be and fair. that's yeah. why we and that's why we need to get a Shira Purge episode. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh boy, Glimmer would purge. You know, Glimmer's going out during the purge. <laughs> she has a lot of anger to deal with. Okay, Bo would be the Isaiah. Let's just be clear. Bo would be trying to talk everybody else out of it. He's like, let's stay in and have a movie night, guys. Bo would be Isaiah and Naya combined into one yes, person. Yes, yes. He would be like falling into all the trouble, but he, would he wouldn't be, have done it on purpose. He would be Naya's beliefs and actions, but with Isaiah's like competence. <laughs> I, I feel like Adora is like the, I am going to go sit in the middle of the street and see who tries to kill me. <laughs> so I can kill them instead. Like, I'm not going to attack anybody, but definitely going to kill anybody who tries to attack me yeah speaking Catra of people, would be dimitri catra is dimitri this is a fact catra's <laughs> <laughs> like making her way through the tower just to get to adora catra's like this is stupid we're not participating fine i guess i'll like save the entire thing i gotta save my girlfriend yep Spe- speaking of uh murdered girlfriends dr scientist is done uh yep the biggest name in the movie killed off screen this on a security camera this had to have been they did like some rewrites during production and she had already finished her scenes and she was like no i'm not coming back for like reshoots like <laughs> and they were just like um so like like it had to have been that they couldn't get Marissa Tomei back right, for something. Right, you so can't like, see her face. At yeah, all. it's like like just put someone in a wig and the suit and like we'll kill her all and like we'll kill her on a security camera. Yeah, we I can't mean, get her back. Like like look, we we could afford three days of Marissa yeah, Tomei. I was gonna like, say alternatively, was, they just filmed all those scenes at one time and then we're like, oh, 
she's still a, we need to we need to make it more clear that she dies like you know because someone might miss it marissa tomei only shares scenes with arlo sabian and then dies off screen you're right she yeah. did this on an afternoon between like yoga yeah yeah she's she's uh Tossed, tossed from a van, which the whole the whole blocking of this scene is insane to me. He's like Arlo Sabian is standing in front of his you know computer he's been using to observe everything, and a henchman brings him a tablet and is like, uh, <laughs> "This is the murder you asked for." He's like, "Hmm, good murder. Get rid of this. Get rid of this video footage. Nobody should ever see that." That is how. When there is no oh reason for there to have been he any does, footage. The whole, that, that guy does bring him like the, the, a snuff film with the <laughs> same energy of an intern bringing him coffee. <laughs> He's like, you know this woman that you've been real annoyed by this whole time? Would you care to see her murdered in real time? <laughs> so check it out. We got multiple camera angles. <laughs> we, could, we could edit it together into a little fun thing. No, you want me to delete it? Okay. <laughs> He's, he's the clippy was, of murder. Was, he's was, like, I, I see say. you've enjoyed these murders. Have you thought about this murder? It's true. Hey, so, sir, based on your recent murder search algorithm, we recommend <laughs> these snuff films. <laughs> Netflix of snuff films. Hey, it's it's got to exist on the dark web somewhere. Uh, I mean, I hope it exactly does. I mean, kind I really of hope it does. a lot of things about the dark web. I, I hope kill I hope like Killflex isn't a thing. Killflex. No, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely feels like it's be something that would be in like the crowded comic. It's true. It's real. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the the next series of things. This is where the movie turns into an action movie. A tower because... siege. The princess is in the tower. Must well, rescue. First, they have to go rescue the three that kings. Is... Uh, the kings are inside their whatever shop uh, barbershop or something from this point forward it is a full on Dimitri is an unstoppable just dynamo of vile of righteous violence against the oppressors he really is I forgot that there is a scene of Dimitri and his guys going back to headquarters and his buddy being like yeah man the government has sold us a lot of weapons recently I guess oh, yeah. it's because of this uh, purge thing, they thought we would just go kill each other. But here is a lot of military-grade <laughs> arsenal that we just have. And I love that Dimitri just looks on. at him like, you dumbass, they did this on purpose and you didn't tell me? <laughs> like, it's like, it took you this long to figure out that they might be trying, that like the U.S. government might be flooding dangerous like yeah. materials into like black communities to some to, like yeah his friend says it like unrest his friend says it like he stumbled on a good deal he's like <laughs> there was a sale at Macy's and I got all these weapons and Dimitri is like uh huh man <laughs> I had a coupon it was buy one grenade launcher get one free. He's like, you won't believe my luck. And Dimitri's sitting there like, why did I hire him? <laughs> but also, I yeah. felt it was the movie being like, we really want Dimitri to just have all the guns so he can kill all the bad guys. <laughs> we how, do we how do we justify Dimitri having all the cool guns? And speaking of Dimitri's guns, this is when he loses the shirt. <laughs> oh, boy. I this is what I wrote in my notes. Dimitri. Yes. <laughs> Yes, please. Yes. One, Dimitri, like, please. <laughs> shirt off, 
He's in the John McClane tank top, pulling it off in ways Bruce Willis can't even dream of. Bruce Willis wishes. Bruce Willis, oh my God, like Yolanda Noel in this movie, fucking, I've never seen Insecure, but Issa Rae, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this. so this is actually also the point where we get the, I guess what turns out to be a mislead of like, they're back at the apartment and uh, Louisa's like, Hey man, there's blood on your floor, right. and, and and she's like, Nadia's like, oh, that was that was my idiot brother's. I cleaned that up. I thought, but I guess there's fresh blood there. It's interesting that this scene is there because we're never going to come back to that. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, but they do we, get a heart to heart in this moment that I thought was pretty moving, where they're talking and you know she says, "I'm worried about this country," which <laughs> you had same. no idea. Just wait a couple more years. Yeah, and. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, Naya makes subtlety. the point. know, right? And Naya makes the point that, like, this night will not win, which I thought was quite good. Which is why, again, like, based on what happens here, it's like, because I do feel like there's a certain foreboding sense of no matter what happens here, we know, like, this is the prequel. Like, right. the purge does become this, like, annual thing. Like, I do think it'd be really cool if there's, like, even if it's just a few throwaway lines where it's, like, whatever they do next, like something about how it's like, oh, after that first year, like, you know, Staten Island is like the safest place in the purge. Like just something to yeah. make the battles like fought in this movie, not like to make it like tangibly, concretely worthwhile. Right. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, like we said, this is where it turns into an action movie. The The Three Kings are, uh, they're, in their shop with a handful of other people from the neighborhood. The place is getting shot up by a bunch of guys with automatic rifles. They're really like, they're down on their luck. The whole thing is about to come down on them when what should happen, but like gas grenades should just come out of nowhere. And, <laughs> Dimitri is Batman. And Dimitri and his crew just walk through the smoke to murder all of the uh, white mercenaries. Well, they're like they're just stabbing people left and right they're dual wielding ak's dimitri's just snapping people's necks it's amazing it is wild how well trained they are like we're told these are you know extremely well-trained mercenaries but not trained as much as dimitri and his crew for reasons they, like from this point forward until the end of the movie this is it is firmly an action movie where you're just going like routinely going like to fuck yes, Dimitri. Fuck yes. 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 They rescue the three kings, and while Dimitri is talking to them, one of his guys runs up and is like, hey, you got to listen to this stuff coming through the headset off this guy we just killed. We're all going to converge on the tower and finish this there. All and of the he gangsters. just goes, Naya, in case we have forgotten the fact that we've known five million times they've said in this movie that she lives there. Yeah, the other guy, the other guy talking to Dimitri, Dimitri doesn't even go, oh, Naya, I got to save her. The other yeah. guy's like, Naya, you know, your, your girlfriend. Because <laughs> literally everybody is in Dimitri's business. <laughs> and then I, I did think it was interesting how he, how they take time to mention that Anna's mother's dead. <laughs> That's our new recurring joke. Anna's mother's dead. <laughs> the towers are important. The towers um, are important, and Anna's mother's important. dead. You and Naya, you used to date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. They're they're gonna like 
go to this place and fight the guys at the towers. They arrive just in time to see all the like mercenaries pull up to the tower and start to run in. Why were, and, okay, so I was trying to figure out what the sound effect was because why were all the cars roaring like Godzilla? <laughs> what was happening? I was like, it was happening, Chris. They were purging. <laughs> You're right. The cars needed they to purge, They got a lot of glass tech mufflers, you know, and just... <laughs> Again, going around having a great time. I guess, I guess one of the pre-purge nights was the night they modified all their cars like they were in the Fast and Furious. <laughs> because we're about to get the most Fast and furious moment of this whole thing. I mean, at this point, it's just like, at this point, it might as well be a Fast and Furious. Like, I'm experienced, I've gone from like, this is a horror movie to Dimitri is the unstoppable badass who will, who will like liberate us from the oppressors. Because <laughs> well, here's the thing. We have a whole squad of gangsters right now. Everybody's there and they're going to go fight these, you know, white supremacists and whatever else is in this group. You guys dressed as Nazis. The whole thing is set up. You know, we have all of our badasses in one place. So what should happen? But one of the guys should be like, hey, this is a drone. And then the <laughs> drone sprouts machine guns, as do several other drones, and just gun down all of the gangsters. Other than Dimitri, who is the only one apparently who has the sense to roll under a car. Well, I didn't he? I, I thought he got under the car because his friend. Yeah, the second the in command. Like, yeah. There, this it is not a plot very, hole. It was a moment of true love there. Okay. It did very much feel like the movie going like, okay, Dimitri's crew, you guys had your cool moment like before at the last fight scene. Now you go bye bye so we can do Die Hard. I, I assumed it was the writers being like, look, we have overpowered this team so much that this isn't a horror movie anymore. It's not, nobody's going to be worried about them. Oh yeah, no, like when they rolled up, I'm like, these guys have it under control. Like they're going to fucking, no, no sweats. Yeah, I just needed I was, somebody to push Blaze under the other car is the thing. I am yeah. so upset. I, I have an all caps here. I can't believe they killed Knife Girl. I am so upset. By I would it. have been okay if like Blaze had shown up at the end and been like, "Oh yeah, I was actually just knocked unconscious. I'm okay. What's up?" Or they do like what they do. I, I know I've referenced Batman a billion times already tonight, but they do what they do with Cascade, where it's just you see her later, and there's like a mountain of bodies around her, and you didn't see the fight, but she did it herself. From this point on, like once the crew gets killed, and it's really just like kind of Dimitri, Isaiah, Naya, and like Dolores, like, I noticed to myself, I'm like, more than most action or horror movies where I'm like, one, maybe two characters survive. Yeah. I feel like this is where I got to the point where I'm like, I'm going to be real, feel like really bad if any of these characters any die. Any of them. Uh, yeah. Like, and it's just like, I just feel like now they're just, because, and also just because the movie is so political and it's so yeah. overt. I feel like these characters have just become so totemic in the role they play, like in society yeah. that feels like for any of them to die is like this whole like sense of important, like of youth coming of age of like of leadership being yeah. taken away from this community. Well, like, and I'm like, I can't deal with that. If no. like, if any of these characters die Louisa, at this point. Louisa feels like cannon fodder, right? Like Louisa feels like cannon. Yeah. Like, the I kid is lost, not going to die. I could have lost, I could have lost Louisa, but like, but I was like. she doesn't die. And I, I'm like, I love that. Whether it's Dimitri, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Nia, I'm like, at this point, like even a heroic sacrifice would be unsatisfying I at agree. this point. Just because like, it would feel like too 
devastating a loss to like a huh. whole community if yeah. any of these like main characters die Hold now. on to that idea because there is a heroic sacrifice coming out of left field <laughs> well but, there really yeah. is yeah but, but before we get there uh before we, we get there dimitri has to play batman again where yeah. he turns the lights off and he starts popping in and out of scenes and killing people like i actually wrote down i was like wait dimitri switched like the trope he becomes the horror movie monster for a it's minute it's great he's like haunting them and yeah. i love it well that's why i've always wanted to see die hard from the thieves perspective because from that perspective it's like you are the plucky band of like multi-ethnic international thieves doing an elaborate like Ocean's Eleven style heist and then you get to halfway through when it's like here's the time to rob the casino and then it switches to a horror movie as yeah. some mysterious presence is murdering you one by one <laughs> while you tr- while you attempt to still pull off this heist. 100%. There's definitely like the flashing strobe light in the scene and then it's just Dimitri and he's there to kill you. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we it's discovered so that these guys aren't just killing anybody they happen to stumble upon. They've literally got a battering ram and they're going from like apartment to apartment and like busting down the door, going in, murdering everybody inside and going to the next door. So, like, so I have a question. I know Dr. Scientist is dead at this point, but how were they going to explain everyone being dead? Like, because I feel like there's no way that could have happened naturally. <laughs> well, they really, they really let up a lot of like, they, they really put a lot of foreshadowing into the news reports about the fact that this was going to be yeah. the center of the purge. I assume they would just be like, there was high participation. Do you want any more details about Staten Island? And I would be like, nah, we're nope. good. And we're like, yeah, that's what we thought. Nope, no details to be had Like here. That's what I had to say. Like, I also had that thought. And then I had the, because again, this movie is existentially terrifying. I was like, yeah. how are they going to cover up murdering like an entire apartment building full of like low income, like minority, like people. And I'm like, oh, easily, easily yeah. is how. Nobody would ask is the, yeah, is I'm the like, answer. Oh. I know like that should be a plot hole, but instead it's just like another horribly depressing yeah. and terrifying aspect to the movie yeah the, the reality is it would end up something that you yeah. would learn about on twitter if you knew the right people that they would be like this was uh you know this was a fake job this this tower murdered you know people yeah. were murdered and then it would go away and no one would ever talk mm-hmm. about it that's exactly what it would be yeah well, I am sad now. Uh, <laughs> again, again, there's a reason we put this movie under the new category of existential horror. Yeah, it's, it's oh man, it's a lot. Um, it is a lot. But yeah, going into this scene, basically, Dimitri, Dimitri gets on the phone. It's the only time people get on the phone in this thing uh, is to like be like, hey, I'm cornered. Um, he calls her and says, help has arrived and i was like you've been swoon swoon and he's like like, get as far back in your apartment as you can because i guess that's going to make a difference i Um, get it's like if it's dimitri rescuing me i get the damsel in distress fantasy now i'm like (laughs) yeah oh yeah fucking somebody kidnap me so dimitri can rescue me yeah yeah i am in and and we probably would have bought it if that's what had happened but they don't do that which i love she is so smart naya is like we're doing this this is the plan i'm gonna shoot their legs and you take their heads over the armor like she's telling them all what to do which is when we get the moment of dolores being like who did you date who was this ex-boyfriend yeah like you know at no point is naya and at no 
no point in this movie is Naya helpless, and I really like. Let's be that. clear: there is a damsel in distress in this movie, and it is Isaiah. Yes, <laughs> who who finally gets redemption by stabbing a dude in the neck a bunch of times. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's 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 wild because they're they're putting up a good fight. Uh, nothing like Dimitri, who is going from apartment to apartment, murdering no, people dressed as Nazis. They are normal people trying their best in a desperate situation. Dimitri, Even though Dolores has a hand cannon in her purse. Dimitri, at this point, is just the first-person shooter protagonist. I, was, I absolutely <laughs> wrote down, this is a video game level. Like, he, he's just going through them. It's a video game, and yes, son, Dimitri's winning. Yes. He doesn't know how to die. He doesn't know if he has extra lives, because he doesn't know how to die. So, Dimitri finally gets up to their apartment. They get blocked in and uh, decide that they're going to blow up the front of the apartment. Um, he tries to get her to go into the closet uh, that is apparently almost bulletproof based on what we see. But yeah. uh, she's like, no way. I'm fighting side by side with you, and I loved it. Oh, oh my God. That moment yeah, sure. was I'm just like, hearts, yes. I'm just, yes. like, I am such a sucker this for that movie... kind of thing did a thing that so few movies do. It made me ship a straight couple. <laughs> <laughs> right? I cannot believe I'm saying this, it's but two I weeks will go in a row now. Again, I'm glad that this movie didn't end with like, oh, now we get like, we did enough violence. Now we kiss. We're together again. Like, it doesn't actually end with them getting yeah. back together. And yet yeah. I'm like, yeah, fucking I ship them. Right, right. Yeah, so they, they decide to throw... Uh, <laughs> The C4 that they just have uh, over into the front of the apartment where the uh, bad guys are and then shoot it. It blows everything up except for um, there's a there's a couple of guys who uh, are stragglers. We're going to cause a problem except our hero, the the sacrificing hero of this movie shows up. Do sex Skeletor? Skeletor shows Skeletor. back up. He'll face Skeletor has turn. been missing for the entire second half of this movie. Is like, I heard there was some killing going on here. Uh, what up did you forget to invite skeletor to the killing party <laughs> yeah and so so skeletor along with the rest of the crew uh takes out the last of these mercenary maybe nazis it's unclear for the record it's a pretty realistic fight on skeletor's part he like he manages to stab about two people at surprise and then gets immediately gunned down yeah. unlike dimitri skeletor did learn how to die Yes. Skeletor is not interested in guns. Skeletor, if he cannot stab somebody or inject somebody with something, is not is not there for it. Skeletor is really not here to survive this fight. He, no. he does not care. This is his night. Nope. He wants yep. to go, you know, he came for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. You know, sometimes the candle that burns twice as bright burns half as long. <laughs> Are we writing a eulogy for Skeletor? Skeletor just came here to dance, if you know what I mean. Farewell, sweet drug-addicted psycho killer. The <laughs> angels carry you to, up on, to your rest. <laughs> so so Skeletor, Skeletor is really part of the community in the end, aren't... <laughs> <laughs> aren't our aren't our drug adult psychopaths really just part of our community in the end that um, is really the takeaway <laughs> message i mean i live in new york so yeah absolutely <laughs> they've survived the the dawn is literally breaking it's been 12 hours the purge is over they go outside 
and uh, other other people are wandering out of their various apartments and houses. Naya uh, literally turns to Dimitri and is like, yeah, now, now what? And you were saying there's not a now we kiss. What Dimitri says is now we fight. Yeah. Um, Dimitri is straight up like leading the revolution at this point. And they kind of carry him through the crowd. This move, this moment in the movie definitely made me emotional. It, I, I am very easily affected by the crowd stands behind the main character's scenes, which is why <laughs> I oh, still cry. Oh, that got to me. I'm like, he is the, like, he is the hero of Staten Island. I Fuck mean, off, Pete Davidson. This is the one true king of Staten Island. <laughs> he has dethroned <laughs> Pete Davidson. Listen, I didn't tell you guys, but the second tenant of this podcast is attack and dethrone Pete Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as long as Dimitri takes the throne. (laughs) I mean, it's. I have nothing against Pete Davidson. I also don't have anything against him. I don't know why this happens. Again, is this movie subtle? I don't know. I'm pretty sure literally the last line of the movie is explicitly advocating for armed resistance against right wing governments. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it's not the last line because we also no. have to we have to pan to President Snow over there talking about the next <laughs> Purge movie. He's he's like, uh, I, I propose a new movie, the next Purge. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely had already paused, like I was getting ready to pause the movie. It was getting up and I was like, oh, he's talking over the credits. I guess I'm watching this man. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, ah, well, you know, we survived it. And of course, we have to find out that, you know, it's about to go, it's going to go national now. Yeah. And then it was like MC, like the purge will return in the movie that came out five years ago. <laughs> purge will return in 2013. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> we're try- we're, next year we're thinking about going national, like in towns where Ethan Hawke might live. <laughs> this will get so big, it'll even affect your Ethan Hawks. Are you watching Sergeant Crossbones? Just, just cut to Ethan Hawk watching, you know, the TV being like, hmm, I better get into the security business. <laughs> yes, he's still a little subtlety of the rest of this movie. And that's and that's pretty much the first purge. Uh, it has a lot to say. It's subtle about none of it. I love it to pieces. I had a fantastic time with this. Uh, I would wholeheartedly absolutely recommend it to people uh how about you guys yeah i i loved this so i my my main thought about this movie first of all i had a lot of fun i also think this movie as far as the subtlety goes we've had a lot we've taken a lot of piss out of it for that lack we've of had a lot of fun here today guys we've, we've had a lot of fun here today but this movie feels to me i'm about to say something wild prepare yourselves it feels to me like baby's first horror movie (laughs) like this is your trading wheels horror movie that teaches you about horror that has something to say like it's not subtle but i I think it works if you are not used to thinking critically about horror (laughs) as an introduction to so like this if i was going to set up a class i would start with this one and by the end of the semester we're got we've got to like get out (laughs) like (laughs) Yeah, that I feel like that's fair. Like it's I like think you have to, you I think you have think to end with us. Movies, if you, I thought us was for oh. the next class. Us is way yeah. too advanced. Us is, us is the advanced. same class as yeah, like, this. If you it's think advanced. horror movies is like Scream and like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like this is yeah, you're right. This is definitely a great like 
starting out like horror movie that says something because you can't possibly miss what it has to say. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's I think there's a place for that. I think sometimes we overvalue every yeah. movie having to be smart. Um and yeah, you, you as, get, as somebody who has just talked yeah. extensively about Fast and Furious, I Once don't somebody, think yeah, every someone, movie has to be smart. If you can make it through this, then maybe we can graduate to like anti-consumerism in George Romero films. <laughs> Right, like this. This feels like this. This is so. My exposure to these movies before, I have never seen them, but I used to tutor twelve-year-olds, and all the twelve-year-olds that I tutored loved these movies, and I was baffled by it. I was like, "That seems so strange." Until now, where I'm like, "Yeah, okay, this is twelve-year-olds learning about how to be progressive liberals in horror." Good, good. I my, know my my only real direct exposure to the purge franchise before this was honestly the rick and morty purge episode <laughs> you know it's it's funny because i um i hadn't watched any of the purge movies until a couple of years ago and i watched several of them back to back and then i went to san diego comic-con and um was walking down the street in the middle of the night and somebody some for i i don't know i think it was for the tv show they had rented out a boutique in downtown San Diego where they had set up like a display where they were selling purge masks for the purge oh in the front window. And I, yes. I just remember stumbling upon this in the middle of the night on the way to a party and being like, Oh no. <laughs> oh, Oh no. Yeah. Yes. Um, so in short, I would recommend it. I, I loved this. I thought it was real fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, you know, I've, recommended we do this one despite you guys never having seen the other ones i don't think you have to see the other three movies before this for this one to make any sense there were totally moments when the subtlety lost me and i had to really think about what had happened in the other ones yeah again like we hadn't seen it i never had the slightest problem following anything going on like it like it's it is a perfect jumping on point if you've never seen it case and we are living proof of that yeah none of the other ones are out and out bad but i think this is far and away the the best or at least most interesting of the group yeah. you know so you, you can check out the other ones too but um there, it's not like uh it's not like some of the the long-running horror franchises where it's like oh whatever you do don't watch number three because <laughs> i might i honestly might go watch the other ones i'm not gonna lie like this was so much fun yeah I mean, if you like watching, you know, uh, Ethan Hawke do what Ethan Hawke does and Lena Headley scream and run around, uh, then the first the first purge is fun. Um, the other the other ones are a bit wilder. They're a bit more like this, where it's you know uh, going all across the city and having you know multiple elements pop up. Whereas that one is more like stuck in a house with somebody trying to get in kind of thing. How, how did this uh, How did this leave us feeling? So I think we hit on like a. We had a, we have a trend going of like um, horror is, movies that are also slightly hopeful. Yeah. Is 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 in love with Yolanda Noel a feeling? I think that <laughs> is a feeling. I, th- I mean, yeah, I think that we do have a trend of surprisingly hopeful horror movies, and I love it. I I like yeah. that, but a lot. And this one definitely. I mean, there there's existential dread is there, right? Like there's definitely a things are not better, but that people are better than necessarily those at authority think that they are yeah i I mean i agree i mean the movie i feel like the movie's ultimate core message is 
that as bad as things are, we can still fight. We can always uh, keep fighting against it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, it, you know, people are innately good. Um, and, you know, we can definitely fight against the world. I feel like there is that sort of second, that, that last kick in the gut of like, oh, no, this is a prequel. Bad shit's going to happen. Uh, yeah. You already know this. Um, but I think but, that there's a way that that feels like how our lives have gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sure does. Sure does. It still is hopeful. There's still hope, but yeah, it didn't get better right away, did it? Huh? Nope. No. Turned out. Turned out 2020 was coming for them. Yeah, I mean that I I feel pretty good about it. I I mean, <laughs> I don't, there's a question in here that we always ask, this is when I'm going to keep you up at night. And it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Not for the reason, not I, for the reason most horror movies will, but. I love that yeah. we've had three movies so far and we've answered yes to all of that, th- that question to all of them and none of them because of fear. <laughs> yeah. A certain <laughs> kind of fear for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Fear, dread more. <laughs> yes. Combines with a lot of other societal, more that it's kicking up a lot of uh, other fears that are kind of just around constantly every second of every day. Yep. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Which is why I don't mind that our next movie is going to be a little less world dreadful. (laughs) I think, I think we, I think after this one, we've, uh, we've earned a bit of a swashbuckling respite. Absolutely. Is it respite or respite? I don't know. I think it's respite. Okay, I'm pronouncing it correctly. Great. Sounds good to me. This this is going to get into our sort of core questions here now. Now, the last two movies, this has been like the shoe-in question, uh, but a little less so with this movie. Uh, is this movie feminist? Um, yes. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, yeah. it's not... The other two have been more explicitly about feminist themes, but... I don't think you have to be about feminist themes to be feminist. Like they treat all their women characters as full human beings with whole lives. Not, yeah, like to me, it just comes down to like part of it just comes down to Naya was just so prominent and just such a strong, well-written, uh, three-dimensional character who really didn't fall into any, uh, you know, last girl or horror movie protagonist um, right. stereotypes or pitfalls. So it just comes down to like. She was just such a strong, well-written character. And, and yeah, she literally avoided being a, a final girl by like saving other people. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, right. she. I mean, she was a commute. I mean, she was a community leader. Like she yeah. was an activist. Like right. this was like we got to see a community rely on her, and we got to see her strength carry it through. Absolutely. And Dimitri, you know, it really doesn't have a lot of those toxic horror movie boyfriend traits that we're so fond of commenting on. Um, You know, he has an emotional range. Uh, Yeah, he sells drugs, sure. But he's like, he, he expresses himself. He communicates. He talks. He has really good connections with the people around him. Uh, yeah, I mean, except for the people he he murders. Uh, Look, you know, everyone murders sometimes. That's what science says. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of which, we're talking about you know uh, feminism and how this movie treats feminine or its female characters. Obviously, we talked about Naya. She's great. She's capable. She's you know, in addition to being a uh, somebody who can actually hold her own, she's you know, uh, 
good all around, nice rounded character. <laughs> How about Dr. Scientist? Dr. Scientist, <laughs> his personality is entirely science. Yeah. <laughs> just science she science just, can explain her personality she has science i mean uh, i feel like this is what you get when you kind of have this many women characters that like and who are all different different roles in the story different personality yeah. types is that you don't have any one or even two characters having to take upon them the role of like being a stand-in for all like womenhood yeah. is that like you know what when you have this many characters yeah, sometimes you can have a one who's just like a stupid, dumb, Nazi working asshole who gets shot in the face. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's less less flat than Arlo Sapien as a character, I guess. This yeah, she true. she's got more character than Arlo Sapien, but on the other hand, she is not named Arlo Sapien. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say about her because I mean, there's she doesn't really have a heel turn even though she's she decides that they've used her murder incorrectly it's more like she doesn't accomplish anything with her like she doesn't have a face turn and then like she doesn't accomplish anything but it isn't even a heel turn because really she's she's not mad so much morally as she's like my data is corrupt now i I thought you believed in the science of murder night We're going to have to have a whole other murder night just to get this data right. Are you saying murder night was just a cheap excuse to murder? That's not what murder night's about. That's what murder day is for. (laughs) I am never going to successfully publish my article with data this corrupt. Thanks so much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I think the only... uh... The only female characters who don't have much going for them are Louisa and Selena, who are there to be kind of damsel and distressy. They're, you know, they survive but, by surviving. Yeah, but again, I feel like the person that mostly saves them as the damsel is like, it's not, is Naya. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it works. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's feminist. And I again, have no I, complaints. I, I feel like what definitely helps uh, Louisa's character a lot is that scene they have in the apartment where they're like, yeah. she's talking about how she's scared for the country, what that means for her daughter, like growing yeah. up in society. It's like, so to me, it's like, and again, the fact that that's, again, a scene between Naya and Louisa where they're talking about like the country and the state of the country and morality of society. Like, again, I just, those are big, complex, like complicated scenes. And I, and I'm really glad she at least has that moment to define herself. And this yeah. is the first movie we've watched for the show that doesn't have a joke about tampons in it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't look that closely, but you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I, I don't remember yeah. one. <laughs> Somebody could have been wearing a tampon mask and I missed it. I would be down for Megan Fox in the next Purge movie. <laughs> wearing a tampon mask? <laughs> oh my God, no. Yeah, just, she, she can be there to provide a tampon after Blaze stabs somebody <laughs> several times. Oh, I would love if they just totally retconned the fact that Blade survived. <laughs> yeah, so I I was looking at I have Blaze in here as our in our list of female characters. She's awesome. Uh, Dolores is great. Dolores is amazing, and I love her. Oh, Dolores is so much fun. Dolores is a rich inner life. It's one that uh, really drives her to the bathroom. But yeah, it's she's she's special. Um, she's a gift uh, something that I don't think we have much to talk about is how this treats LGBT characters in the story 
Uh, Marissa Tomei wears some really great queer-looking suits. Yeah. And Dimitri's arms. Dimitri's arms. <laughs> and that's pretty much all I have for uh, what queer we got. issues. That's what we got. <laughs> so what you're saying is, Jeremy asks about queer issues. Dimitri exists. <laughs> Marissa Tomei wearing great wears suits. Wears suits. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a hot second where I thought that the teddy bear murder grandmothers were lesbians but i i don't know that it got that would be that that would be such a sweet love story that's (laughs) some real like that's some real like murder cottage core love (laughs) story stuff when they they were saying the whole community makes fun of them all the time i was like oh they're lesbians uh so that was what i assumed is that what people in your community do just like let's make like let's mock the lesbians (laughs) i live in the middle of nowhere so yes i live in the west village so at this point i assume any two people of the same sex are dating yeah i i would like to be let out of where i live please thank you Yeah, I, I had assumed the two uh, murder grandmas were sisters, but I much prefer the idea that they're they're happily married. They found that one other person that likes strapping bombs to teddy bears, it's and they're, really they're just living their you, best life. You find the person that gets your interest so that you can do things together, like try to kill people with teddy bears. <laughs> so I guess the, the other question that we may not have a lot to talk about here is uh, mental illness and disability. Uh, I mean, yes, Skeletor had something going. Yeah, on. I, I, I don't. I really don't. Skeletor was just Batman villain. Yeah, yeah he, he came. Know. He had Batman villainitis. Like he did. I don't. He had that same mental illness that ends people up in Arkham. Yeah, like I feel like there's nothing positive. Like I'm glad they didn't try attaching a real diagnosis yeah. to him because I feel yeah. like that would have been harmful. Yeah. But I feel it's like it wasn't even really mental illness. It was just like here is like the villain in any of the condemned video games. Right. Yeah, they really they don't have a lot to say. But that you're you're right, they don't blame anything on it either, which I mean the bar is on the floor, but in horror movies, blaming things on mental illness is like practically a pastime. So it is nice to not have that. Yeah, it, I feel like the movie country kind of treats skeletor is like Hey, look, there's just going to be some, like, violent, crazy people out there. Like, just the way of, you know, nothing you can do about them. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about them. Like, like, just, like, there's just going to be a skeleton. Like, every neighborhood's got a skeleton. Right. <laughs> if somebody's but, like, murder is legal, there's going to be at least one dude that's like, cool, give me my yeah, stabbing like, knife. Right. It's like, look, we're not saying everyone's going to, unless we're going to party, but let's be honest, like, you're going to get a few people. Like, I'm going to do face tattoos and, like, make a syringe fist. <laughs> It just it just happens sometimes, you know. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I hope I'm not being too glib, but it felt like the movie, for as much as the movie did want to dwell and talk about a lot of things, that felt like one thing the movie really wasn't interested in. And I agree, and I I don't think that that's a problem. Like I feel, I feel like this movie with its ability with subtlety would not have handled mm-hmm. it super well. Just throwing it out there, might not have been the nuanced depiction we're looking for. And I do feel like there. I, again, I do feel like this is the premise lends itself to yeah. a story that could explore mental health, but like I feel like this story also had so much that it was tackling and so much yeah. that it did a really good job tackling. Not every story needs to tackle every issue, and I'd almost prefer uh, if you're going to do a mental health purge story, like 
take the time and like do it right and folk and find like its own strong like strong themes to focus on yeah yeah there it's it would be hard i'm trying to think uh it would be hard to imagine a fun mental health purge movie well it definitely wouldn't be fun it definitely wouldn't be fun purge is kind of it seems to me what i understand interested in being fun to some degree i don't know that there's probably like a dark horror movie that could do that premise but i'm not really sure this series is the series to do that premise yeah i'm not sure yeah we need we need a different different series wants to be we need we need a new series that's also the purge but a different tone than the purge Right. And, and we haven't seen the other ones, let's be clear. So maybe the tone is different, but the commercials don't imply the tone is different. I mean, I mean to some extent, Mayhem is, is purged with a slightly different uh, point of view. Yeah. We, oh, I love Mayhem. Yeah. Because Mayhem is, is basically like, oh, you can get away with anything because there's a disease that, you know, uh, unblocks people's inhibitions. So anything you do during this time, you can't be held liable for. So... Um, but it takes I a love, real comedy swing at that. I do love in Mayhem how it's not like, oh, that's just a background noise. It's like, no, you, the main character, are personally responsible for everyone having no legal limits on what they can do. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, no. It, I, I, it's definitely, that's definitely a movie I'd love to talk about at some point yeah. soon because, like, Especially because that one deals a lot more with class than a lot than any of the ones we've talked about before. Uh, so the the one other like big question on our agenda here is the obvious one for this, which is how does this deal with uh, race and social justice and class? Yeah, I feel like we've answered this question the whole time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot. How does it do it? Uh, for hour and 52 minutes yeah it's everything. Non-stop. it's definitely not subtle but it but it's not um despite being not subtle i think it's handled well agreed yeah yeah okay like it's we've been talking a lot about how this movie is very blunt and in your face of its messaging but that doesn't mean its messages are wrong or that they're not handled really well like it's yeah. not subtle but that's not a criticism this movie it this movie wants to hit you over the head with it and it does a really good job it knows exactly what it wants to explore and what it's trying to say and it knocks it out of the park yeah Yeah, i think think the the characters are well written they're the the what's going on with their stories and the way that race intersects with what's happening is well written like i think it's smart just not subtle and the way that race intersects with class in this movie yeah yeah yeah, I, I think it does a, a really good job. I mean, this was something we talked about after uh, the last episode because we had done Jennifer's Body and Anna and the Apocalypse, and Jennifer's Body deals very poorly with a couple of, of uh, you know people of non-white people in it, mm-hmm. and um, Anna and the Apocalypse is very light on people who might be non-white. As far as we know, all the characters are white, um, whether you know the actors are or not is. Uh, a little different um yeah and it certainly never was relevant to the story yeah it's it's never relevant it's never brought up there's very little even in the the question of class they all seem to be in relatively the same class um but yeah this this movie i mean the the entire main cast other than dr scientist and politician politician um (laughs) are all uh you know black or brown or 
Um, I think there's a few Asian folks in here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, one, like I think one of uh, the three wise men, three kings yeah. is Filipino, I believe. Yeah. Yo, here's a here's a fact about that that I just found out while like looking through the cast list. That gentleman Taz is uh, played by Derek Basco, who is the brother of Dante Basco. Oh, wow. no kidding! So, wow, that is a very cool fact. That is yeah. a very cool fact. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was just uh, flipping through here, and I was like, eh, his last name is Basco, um, but yeah, he is. Uh, in several movies as well. He's the brother of Dante Basco, Darian Basco, and Dionisio Basco, yeah, no, it's all like, of and whom it's are like, in movies. And it really was, it was a story of a community. Yeah. Like, too, it was like, it was this community uniting against, like, really against forces that, because of privilege, because of wealth, think they can just push this community around and do whatever they want with it. Right. And yeah, there's there's a lot. We didn't talk too much about the interviews right at the beginning, but there's like these these scenes. Like the the lead actress from Charmed is in it for a few minutes. From the new Charmed is in it for a few minutes, and she's offered the five thousand dollars to stay and talks about how that would change her whole life. Like her life would be different, so she stays. Um, so I think yeah, there's a lot happening with the with class and race in this movie that is really interesting and has a lot to say absolutely um all right i feel like we could talk about race in this movie all day long but i think we have so far really I mean, talked about it the whole i time. feel like you yeah. could write like an entire book about race in this movie you could but it wouldn't be there isn't enough nuance <laughs> no yeah you'd is, just be writing the plot of the movie you could you could write a vice article about race in this movie right it would be like a like a buzzfeed top 10 thing yeah. that it says about race All top right. 10 times dimitri was bay <laughs> <laughs> top 10 times dimitri had his shirt off um yes. all right uh so uh yeah i think we already answered the question of would we recommend it uh it's definitely a yes for me yeah 100% I mean I in fact it did yeah (laughs) yep all right and uh do we have uh any recommendations going around for for people who uh enjoyed the first purge or looking for something kind of like it yeah absolutely I think uh so I have two recommendations if you enjoyed this movie and what it's saying about race but are willing to take a step up in nuance Um, I would recommend watching the Watchmen TV show. Um, I feel like they say very similar things, but Watchmen has a thousand percent more to say about race and class. And it has a similar vibe. It's not horror, though at times sometimes scary, but it has a very similar vibe to what's going on in this movie. It's it's in a similar dystopia, but very grounded dystopia like this movie. Um, so if you if you saw this movie and said, okay, this is not very subtle, I would like nuance, Watchmen TV show. Uh, and then the other one for me, if you wanted horror, but the same sort of deal would be Lovecraft Country, um, which I'm only a few episodes into, so I guess I can't attest to the whole amount that has come out at this point, but I, I love what it's doing. It's very scary and it has a really interesting concepts of what's what they're saying about race in that story as well yeah um i would say if you want another horror movie that's uh based that's kind of um 
scary but still fun. Uh, also set in a big city and very much deals with intersections of class and race. Uh, I would recommend uh, checking out Attack the Block. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, I love Attack the Block. That's a it's a great movie. Um, John Boyega, I was, just amazing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to also think of something that uh, has a predominantly black cast and has you know black creators behind it. Something that maybe is not as quite as mainstream as the Purge series because there's I feel like it's known. People know about the Purge series. Um, I was thinking of uh, there's a podcast on the. Uh, Night Vale Presents Network called the Adve- the Adventures in New America podcast. Um, Ooh, I haven't listened to that one yet. It is a weird sci-fi uh, black exploitation um, horror thing. Uh, it is very difficult to describe, as you might have noticed <laughs> from from what I just said. Um, but it's it's funky and it's interesting and it's. Uh, at this point, like there's there's only one season of it, and it tells a whole story. It is a, a narrative podcast, um, and it it has a real um, black dystopia vibe, and it has uh, you know black creators and a lot of black voice actors, and uh, it does some some fun stuff with like gender and sexuality in there as well too. Interesting. I'm down. I love Night Vale shows. I just haven't checked that one out yet. Yeah. So that's that is not. Um, it's one of their presents shows, so it's not created by you know uh, the original creators of Night Vale. Um, Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. Yeah, it's not it's not made by Joseph and Jeffrey, uh, but it is very much in their sort of milieu of weird sci-fi, um, just with a little more funk to it. I'm here for the weird at any time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very weird. It, it's probably significantly weirder than Night Vale, in my opinion. That's impressive. <laughs> um, all right, so that wraps up everything that we wanted to talk to uh, talk about about the movies. We got some good recommendations in there. Do you guys want to let everybody know where they can find you online? Yes, uh, you can mostly find me uh, at Twitter at, at @benthecon. Uh, my comics, uh, Griffin and Heavenly Blues, are uh, available for digital on Comicsology, and you can find uh, the print for Heavenly Blues at the scoutcomics.com. And keep your eye out for Renegade Rule, which is coming out next spring. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at The Myth of Psyche, where you can find me talking about science, but like actually this time and not like Dr. Science. Uh, And also about queer books and all kinds of feminism. So come over and join me there. And you can also find my other podcast, The Gotham Outsiders, anywhere you're listening to this. And I am on Twitter at jrome58. It's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. Uh, you can also find my stuff at jeremywhitley.com. Currently, I have a, a middle grades book out right now called uh, School for Extraterrestrial Girls. It's going to be the first in an ongoing series. And it also deals with a lot of social issues, but through the, the window of aliens and, and girls' schools. And in addition to that, the... Uh, Marvel Action Chillers series. The first issue of that should be out uh, November 11th and then hopefully uh, bi-weekly from there. Um, Depending on when you're listening to it, it might be on the shelves right now or uh, it could be coming soon. Um, But it's a four-issue miniseries and it's all... The idea is to feel like old, fun Marvel horror stuff, but for a a new young audience. So there's a lot of the uh, 
classic Marvel horror stuff that you love, but with uh, characters like Ironheart and uh, Unstoppable Wasp and Elsa Bloodstone showing up in there to uh, to take take part in the fun as well. All right, now that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We we had a great time. I'm I'm glad uh, everybody enjoyed <laughs> this one because I I took a leap out there on this one. But it, it paid off. It, it yeah. sure did. It was a fun leap directly into Dimitri's arms. Yes. <laughs> and, and such powerful arms they are. Such, such arms. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys again next week. And uh, hopefully we'll have even more, uh, even more politics and horror for you then. Have a great day. Bye. Take care. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode is written by Jeremy Whitley, Chris Carey, and Ben Kahn. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own, and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers or any of the commentators' publishers or employers. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was downloaded royalty-free from Pixabay. If you want to sponsor Progressively Horrified, please contact Jeremy Whitley on Twitter at jrome58 or via his website at jeremywhitley.com huh. I, didn't even, I don't even know. I wonder if my microphone has settings. <laughs> Should have read the manual. It has a little switch on it that has abstract shapes. And I was like, what do these abstract shapes mean? <laughs> I don't see any I don't see any random shapes, so I'm guessing it doesn't. Hopefully I can not flip this like I did last time. Or, you know, even if I do, who cares? I, I definitely put that at the end of uh, the, the podcast for the second one. Uh, oh, we have a blooper reel? Yeah, Ooh. it has it has my bloopers, and then it has, uh, after our ending, you, uh, you imploring Ben Wiggins to record an album. Good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did, like, outro, outro music, and then uh, my bloopers <laughs> and our our continued imploring of Ben Wiggins to, 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 to use his talents. I, that, this is going to be my only platform from now on <laughs> <laughs> just, just to accomplish this. <laughs> Wiggins 2020. Huh? <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> so much for that. <clears throat> So is this movie series, as I have not seen, there is a train. Can you all hear that? Yeah. Oh, whoops. It feels real rustic. <laughs> I told you I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is, I just want to grab my bindle and <laughs> jump on. I'm just glad I'm not the source of the most noise here in Manhattan. Like, can you please go away? It's the <laughs> longest train. Um, is it done? Okay, I, I'll start talking <laughs> and we'll until do it one more time. Here. Ah! There it goes. <laughs> Why? This train usually only comes through at 3 a.m. That's a great time for a train to come through. It's great. It's great. Good times. Okay. Eventually it'll stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay. I think... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this is the right farcical. No, it's I like know it's going knows. at the end of this episode. <laughs> now it just feels like a targeted attack at this point. <laughs> Along with my 800 attempts to get through the opening. <laughs> the most train. So much train. <laughs> hey, you like the A train and boy in the boys? Get ready for most train. <laughs> <laughs> it's like still not done. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is this is a farce to train. This is an this is a fucking archer bit now. <laughs> I swear, I don't think it's ever been that long before. I'm grabbing a mini crunch bar while we have our train break. <laughs> after could... I after I got my devil skeleton back after my super stole it. <laughs> Your super stole your devil skeleton? Apparently, my building is taking a dim view to Halloween decorations, and I'm fighting back against that. You should. That is ridiculous. My next move. My next move is I just bought a whole bunch of those like sparkly felt stickers. So I, and I'm gonna put them on my door. So I feel like, hey, if he wants to remove those, I'm gonna at least make it make it tedious. <laughs> Put them up there and then put a bunch of the like little popper fireworks on the ground. So when he tries to remove them, he'll step on those and just fully home alone. You're like front door. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is the train gone? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is insane. This is this is the crazy train Ozzy Osbourne was singing about. It's genuinely, I think it might be far enough away now. I don't know, but it's still going. Sharon, the train is still going, Sharon. <laughs> uh, I think it is, I think it's done. I think it's done right. its stuff. Yeah, All I right. don't hear it anymore. So. I don't remember where we were. I feel like there's only ever been train. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a question. This I do remember where I was. I was trying so hard to say it. All right, let's let's give a give a silence break here. There was nothing here. before the train. I will, I will clap, and then we can pick back up. Okay. All right.